Welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live Podcast 216. Devin was the first question, so I try to get the first question every time. Uh, Devin came early, about an hour, almost an hour before, 50 minutes before the show, so again, dedication should be paid uh, for sure. Uh, he says, hey, Phil, is it worth getting a guitar unfretted just by, or just buying a fretless guitar like a nylon? Question mark. Thoughts on fretless? Um, I have unfretted, is that the way you would say that? <laughs> defretted a guitar a couple guitars i mean i've defretted more basses for sure and i think i said this before a couple podcasts ago when this came up something about fretless came up i haven't defretted a, a bass or guitar in probably five years and i'm just guessing i just don't remember doing one in a long time and the last one or two uh, that i did you know towards the end uh were basses so mostly basses I, I can tell you this um every guitar I've defretted, uh, it was always because somebody has this, you know, some kind of fun, crazy, exciting idea. And uh, it doesn't always seem to pan out. Uh, so the, the real question, Devin, is should you take an inexpensive guitar and rip the frets out? I mean, I guess. <laughs> uh, here's my problem. I don't know what the appeal of a fretless guitar is. To me, before I would get a fretless guitar... I mean, other than like maybe I have a really cheap guitar that just sucks. Like, here's would be a, a reason why I would maybe go with a fretless guitar. If I had a guitar with a warped neck or fretboard, something I could take the frets out and then plane uh, down and shape the fretboard again and make it now a fretless more usable, you know, something usable like as a fretless without any fretting skills, I guess that would be worth it. Otherwise, just get an Ebo or something like that or sustainer pedal or Sustainiac. I don't know. Like I said, I just don't know what the appeal to the fretless guitar is. So I, I wouldn't know uh, what to tell you other than it's not a, I mean, it's just a want to decision and the idea of, you know, if you want to try it, you want to try it, but I don't know what, what you can do. Unless, like I said, sometimes it's tough because maybe you have a sound in your head for a song. And maybe that's a better way to put that. I would think if you're going to record something, because that's what I'm thinking about. When you get a guitar like that, you're trying to create some music with it, obviously. So I'm thinking maybe for whatever you're trying to record it for or use it for, maybe you can use something else in place. So there you go. Sorry, Devin. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. Um, don't defret a guitar unless it's a cheap one. Uh, and if you want to buy one, I don't even know where you'd buy a fretless guitar. John Sawyer said, hey, Phil, what's your next keeper guitar? Uh, probably not, nothing, nothing I have on the crosshairs for a while. The, the, the Kiesel guitar, the, the Crackle Kiesel, is a really long process. That was about 2000. Oh, wow. Okay. Two years. Yeah, I was right. Two years because it was in about June May or June of 2019 is when I started this concept of I wanted what I wanted was I wanted a guitar. If you if you look at that Kiesel uh, single cut bevel crackle finished guitar, if you look at it, it's exactly my PRS Mira. It's 24 frets like my Mira is. It's the same neck, basically right smaller neck profile, 10 inch radius fretboard uh, like the Mira, hardtail bridge one piece. Uh, like the Mira, mahogany body, mahogany neck, like the Mira. It has a maple fretboard instead of a rosewood, but I just went with aesthetics. Um, I was trying to replicate the Mira. I did my um, my guitar collection video this week. Uh, I had been talking about doing that for weeks, uh, and the people at Sweetwater were the ones that said, hey, if you want to do a video like that, we'll sponsor it. And um, 
I'm glad they did because uh, it was about seven hours, six and a half hours of editing for that. So yeah, it's a it's a long day after you film for a day and then you edit for the next day. But my point to this is there was something I said in that video. No one caught it. I don't think anybody caught it. There's no comments. That in the November of 2019, I mentioned that I refretted my PRS Mira. I want you to know something. PRS guitars are notoriously known for having really hard frets. They're not stainless steel. They're just really hard. And they are very hard to wear out. Uh, they are. They just are. Core guitars, especially. And um, that guitar I bought in 2013, and I wore the frets out. That's why I got refretted. I had to refret it uh, in, in, like I said, November of 2019. That, I think, should tell you everything you need to know about guitars and guitar players. Look at all the guitars in that video. Look at all the guitars behind me. And yet, one guitar had to be refretted. Tells you how many, how much time I'm putting on one guitar versus the others. Uh, the next guitar I can tell you right now, my my Copper Strat, isn't isn't going to be refretted, but it's not ready for that by any means. But it's probably about ready for its first crown uh, level and crown. So there you go. That tell you how much I put on those, how many miles I put on those two guitars. Um. So uh, next keeper guitar, uh, I don't have one in in mind. The the there's always another guitar. That's the that's the benefit. Look, I live in a very cool little YouTuber world where I get to buy guitars or get guitars, check them out, put them on the videos, and then move them on. There was a lot of comments in that video about you know where's your RG five sixty five? It's gone. In fact, uh, in my last twelve guitar videos, I've done twelve. If you look at if you, you know it's easy to do, just go to my channel and go history. If you look at the last twelve guitar reviews in a row. All those guitars, I don't have any of those guitars except for except for the Kiesel. And that's because uh, I shared that with you that I just got that. And that was the guitar I got. The rest of the guitars I bought, uh, there was a, probably one or two that a company sent. But the majority of those are I, I bought them. I bought them. We reviewed them. And then we put them on reverb uh, or donated them. One of the two things. So that's what we did with them. Because it's, again, it's just making content for, for your, I'd say, for you guys. Because you guys are hanging out here. This is what we do. I make content uh about guitars and it's fun it's a fun thing to do um let me do one more early question since i still have them um hold on just looking for something on oh this one's a self-indulgent one this is from john uh hey john how's it going buddy uh john says happy friday he says when you get caught up on the copperheads uh, how about some P90s or humbuckers? Um, so John bought a set of the Copperhead uh, pickups that I make, um, and he's very nice. He sent me a very nice, uh, wonderful review. Uh, thank you, John, so much. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed them. Uh, to answer your question, so I made those. Those are obviously what we did. Uh, my, you know, I say we. I did for the first run. Uh, uh, humbuckers will be next, probably July, mid-July, in July. P90s I was going to do, and same with Tele pickups, and I've decided to actually not do them. But, John, if you're interested in P90s, I actually made a few sets. They're really good. At least I think they're really good. But the Copperheads are very unique, uh, John. I think you kind of caught that. Uh, and um, and that's what I want with the Humbuckers, too. I want something to I want to offer something to the market, a slightly unique. You can't really make something truly unique anymore, especially pickups. But something, at least give you guys something... I don't know, something different. So uh, all my P90s were very just like, I don't know, they were they were good, but I couldn't say like, wow, I would totally play my P90s over somebody else's P90s. Okay, 
So, so thank you, John. Uh, uh, but that's uh, the answer. So if you're interested in July, but like I said, John, you can always contact me and, and just email me, uh, like, you know, same email you're communicating with me and I'd be happy to take care of you as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, all right, let's, um, let's look at, see if there's another early question. What do we got? Hold on. Edgar wants to know, Phil, do retailers like Chicago Music Exchange or Sam Ash pay lower fees when selling on Reverb than us? Interesting. Uh, it says, uh, would they rather sell directly to us or is it almost the same selling through Reverb? I don't know. I've never thought to ask. I, I, I mean, I could ask Sam Ash and see what they say. Uh, I don't know if they'll tell me or not. I mean, it's like their business. I don't know if they'll want that to be public. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know if Reverb offers any kind of discount for larger sellers. I would make it would make sense that they do. I would be shocked to find out they didn't, but it's possible they didn't because it's a big company as well. Um, but to answer the core of this question is, will they give you a better deal direct? In my experience, I've bought. Well, here's what I can tell you, Edgar. Let's just start here. So, so that's my guess. My guess is they may get better fees. I just don't know. That's a guess. Here's what I do know. I I have purchased from Chicago Music Exchange, and from Sam Ash, both time, both those at least multiple times. They were on Reverb, is where the listing was, and I contacted them directly, and I got a better deal on the phone. So uh, there you go. Now, could I got that same deal through the Reverb? Maybe. But my logic is uh, if it's a retailer and I, especially if I have questions, I'm going to call and talk to them anyways. Like I said, I will try to talk to everybody I buy something from uh, if it's a store, because like I said, to this day, I just said, maybe I'm old school. Uh, it's what I believe. I believe that you will always get the best service, your best price, best everything when you are a person to person transaction. Clicking a button gets stuff shipped to you and that's about it. <laughs> this is my opinion. In a world where that's cool, because we can click a button and have something shipped to us, that's great. But if you want more service than that, if you want a better price than that, if you want, uh, you know, other other uh, benefits, you need to talk to somebody. And if that has to be through email or chat, that works as well too, as as well. But on the phone or in person is always the best. And then go down from there. Okay, let's. We have some super chats. Let's do some super chats. Thank you guys, by the way, for doing Super Chats. It, let's do, let's do, I have no idea. Here's one. What's the first one? The first one came from Greg, who says, for the tip jar, Phil. Thanks for the recent content. Good stuff. Uh, you're welcome, buddy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you mean directly like that. I did yesterday, last night, I posted the uh, uh, how to do a coil split. There's a series of those videos. Uh, they're already done. Uh, and... Every time I put them out, they they drop, they just kill the channel. They kill it. It's it's like a it's like watching a it's a massacre to watch because you because I get it. Why would you guys want to watch a quick three minute video on how to solder something, how to do something? It, it's more of a you put those videos on YouTube, and over time, I've done really well with them because they become resource material for people because they're direct to the point. There's no hey guys, there's no you know entertainment value to it. It's just information. Get it and get the hell out and. Uh, and uh, so what I do is I've learned to parcel them out and uh, I've made a bunch and I didn't put any out. And so I'm, you'll see them uh, over the next couple of weeks just dropping 
intermittently in random places just because, like I said, every time I do it, uh, if you notice, I did it right after I did the uh, collection video because I was thinking maybe the collection video we might do well. And if that video does well and I throw out a video that, you know, does bad, YouTube doesn't ding me as hard. Cause, so, you know, YouTube's, YouTube's pretty brutal when you guys don't watch one of your videos. And I'm sure you guys have heard YouTubers say this all the time. It's very, very true. If you make a video and the audience does not engage with it, not only does that video not well, it literally tanks you out for a little while. And, uh, and it's really tough because you put the same amount of time in all your videos and then your next couple of videos aren't making nearly as much ground. And I said, notice I say ground and not money. I know you're expecting me to say money, but not everything's about money. I mean, it, it, it does cause it creates revenue, but some videos, you know, like I've told you before, some videos, even if you get a hundred thousand views, you may not make a whole lot. It depends on the length of the video and the time of year, but it always gains some kind of ground. In other words, get you subscribers, get you out there in the, you know, in the, in the marketplace, uh, you know, does something, maybe those affiliate links will happen. Something happens, right? You're just trying to keep stuff moving, stuff happening. <laughs> so basically what I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, then we have, we have, uh, Ian, no, John, I'm going to say it's John. It's J-A-N. Am I saying that right? Jan, I, I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. Uh, it says, Hey Phil, I'm considering putting a humbucker size P90 in a Fender Lead 3 which has a two, which has two three-way toggles. Okay. Any suggestions on how to utilize the second toggle? Uh, is it out of phase? Is it out of phase a thing for P90s? Uh, no, yeah, no. What I would do, well, first of all, I'd take the three-way toggle out and put a two-way toggle. And uh, you know what I would do? If it was me, just a suggestion, it's my favorite thing to do with my guitars. I would install a treble bleed on that guitar, uh, you know, on the volume pot, and then attach it to a two-way toggle that will let you bypass it. So you can have the the basically the high pass filter or the treble bleed, however you want to look at that, and then and then be able to bypass it. And um, funny enough, if you wait, I have both those videos. I gave them already to patrons. So if you're a patron, you've seen my video on how to how to create a, a bypass switch for a treble bleed and how to make a treble bleed video. I have those out, but they will eventually come to the to this channel. So it's one of those things. If you're a patron, I'm just letting you know, if you're a patron, just go there look on the patron page. They're there. If you're not a patron, just wait. I'll have them out in a week or two. Um, like I said, I gave them to them a few months ago. So I try to do that stuff, but that was, that's something I love. I love, I don't, I, you know, somebody may say a kill switch. Somebody's going to have all kinds of suggestions for you, but me, I like treble bleeds and I don't like them. <laughs> and it has to do with the amp the pedal, the situation I'm in at that time. And so the idea that I can bypass it when I don't want it uh, and, and when I'm rolling back the volume, because I really use my volume control a lot. It's just a habit. Some guitar players could never touch the volume or the tone control and some players live on it. I live on my tone control and my volume. It's literally like why, I, I think I've said this before, most of my amps are a waste of money uh, because I will take an amp and just pretty much adjust the guitar more than the amp. Maybe that's because I'm spent most of my life as a bass player and you're just always adjusting your bass. Steve Long Music says, Hey, Phil, he did an install. Installing some Fishman Fluence Classics. The volume pots don't work. Yeah, they're like, they're inexpensive 25K, 25K pots they use. It says, I have sound from the pickups, the three-way switch, push pulls, and tone work, but only get full volume. Verified wiring is right. Suggestions. So there's a couple things, a couple things you can check, buddy. 
So the first thing is you want to make sure the potentiometers themselves are working. And so you can do that very easily with a multimeter. Um, look, we got special effects now. I got a pen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what I will do... So it's going to be crap if I... Okay. Look at that graphic. Look at that. It's like a high-tech show here. That's your volume pot. Uh, what you would do, there's a couple ways to do this. You can put, it doesn't matter which side. You could take the green, not the green, I'm sorry. You could take the red uh, lead off your multimeter, put it on the outer terminal. Sorry, let me do it this way. Put a, the red one here, the black one here, or the black one here, red one here. I don't care which one. Just put one on each side and uh, put the volume at full blast. And it should tell you uh, that, in this case, I think it's 25K, right? So it will read at something below that. Like if you have 500K, it's going to be 490K. If it's 250K, it's going to be less, 190K. It's never what it, it says. Um, but anyways, uh, put those leads on there and on the outer sides, and you can make sure that will tell you what it's reading. But the reading isn't what's important. What's important is that it reads it. If it reads something, it means you're getting signal through it, and then you can turn this. Now, if you want to check it to make sure it's turning right, now what you would do is put the red one on the center and then ground the, the uh, use the black to the ground, and then you can turn it and make sure it's working that way. But that is not that tricky because you can Google that, how to use a multimeter on a volume pot. Very easy Google thing, very easy instructions. You don't need this video or me in this here to do this. However, I will tell you something that is notoriously problematic with not only potentiometers, but that particular type of potentiometer they, potentiometer they use. Sometimes when you turn, when you lock them down, when you tighten the nut on the guitar, the compression from that causes a problem. It like smushes, because they use these like, I don't know what you want to call it, teeth. I'm going to say teeth. There's four teeth sometimes bent over the top. And as you compress them and as you do things to them and as you push the knobs down on them. So sometimes you mess them up when you push the knob down and you're pushing the shaft and it smashes uh, the internal part of the pot. So you've damaged it by pushing on it. But sometimes you've damaged it by locking the nut and compressing it. What's easy about this is in a lot of cases, if whatever your problem is with the guitar right now, before you do anything, loosen the nut and then see if that works. It happens all the time. Usually, though, the problem is they don't work. Like you can't get any sound through them. You can't figure out. You loosen that nut, and all of a sudden, the sound just comes blaring through because whatever's being, like whatever's being compromised, gets released. But and it, it can work the other way too. So, believe it or not, as easy as it is, just checking the potentiometers is a good I idea. Sometimes it's just this cheap stuff, man. It's Chineseium. It's junk stuff. We're all using it. This is why potentiometers are less than they were 40 years ago. So I thought I read somewhere that potentiometer, like a potentiometer was like $2 and no, it was like, it was like 60 cents in the sixties or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> and, I'm like and, and then with inflation, you know, it's, it's just, it's cheaper now. So, um, okay. So I hope that helps Steve. And if not, we'll, we'll try next week or something else. <laughs> okay. Um, hmm. I like this. Wargasm. War I'm going to say wargasm. I don't know what that is. Wargasm. Yeah. 644. <laughs> says, uh, uh, I told you every time I see a number, I think 644 because 643 people wanted wargasm before you did. Anyways, I know that's not the case, but I like the joke anyways. It says, Phil, do you think coated strings and lubricant aid in tuning stability? 
Now, the lubricant, absolutely. Obviously, uh, tuning stability, especially when I said a string crosses the nut, a saddle, everything's about friction. The string, you know, especially when you're uh, using a tremolo arm or a tremolo system, I should say, not an arm, anything like that, lubricant is going to be your friend in the idea that, like I said, friction causes the instability. However, I never thought about coated strings helping in tuning stability, but why not? I don't know how you would test that in a theory. I mean, obviously you could put coated and uncoated strings on a guitar and see, but I don't know what that would tell you. Although in theory, yeah, I never thought about saying, yeah, if you use coated strings, they're gonna glide better across the nut because there is that's essentially what they do. They have coating on them. Um, which, and they, and a lot of times the coating, uh, depending on the string, like if you have Daddario, uh, specifically Daddario coated strings, they coat the wire. So the core wire, and then they coat the wrap wire and then they wrap the string. So the coating is actually all around the, the metal wire where like elixirs and others, they make the string and then they spray the coating or dip it, the coating there. And the coating doesn't really get into the actual mini cracks, you know, the little crack between each, each roll. Um, so it, it sounds like I'm dogging that, but actually that would actually be better in this scenario because that coating would fill in those gaps and probably make it glide a little easier across that. Uh, that's why elixirs in particular uh, really dampen string noise. You know, when elixirs took off, there's all these reasons why people use them now. Like the last longer is reason why people like elixirs. Um, but I remember elixirs really taking off for in the studio. Because somebody'd be like, oh, I'm, you know, you're recording, especially acoustic, and it's like, shh, 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 you know, every time you're playing, you know, I change your progression, shh, shh, you know, I'm trying to make the sound, shh, shh. and uh, and uh, elixirs would would alleviate that. So uh, yeah, I don't see why not. Um, so so to go on this after I I answer that, he says I've noticed a way better tuning stability with elixirs, slick coating. So um, and T uh, TW twenty. TW25B lube on the nuts. No, the lube on the nuts, man. These these shows go a little wacky, don't they? Uh, and uh, Saddle C says it's incredible. I, I don't doubt that. It's a great idea. So there you go. Works. Works great. All right, let's go. <laughs> it just seems like sometimes these questions, I know they're legitimate questions, but we sometimes I'm like, we're kind of we're making a... Kind of making 12-year-old dirty jokes here. Okay, Dan says, does it matter how many watts your amp is if you're running through a PA? Um, no, I mean, no, not really. Uh, in the idea of how loud it is, no. If, you're, if your PA is doing the work, I mean, think about this. Let me put it to you in an in a easy way, probably the easiest way to consume this idea. Um, if you're using a PA, you might not even need an amp at all. The amp now becomes, besides the source of the sound, which goes in the PA, which is important, you're just using it as a personal monitor. The reason I say that is you could use an Axe FX or a, an HX Stomp or something like that is your sound. So you don't even need an amp is what I'm trying to say. You can take a, take a pedal, plug the pedal in the PA now. So obviously the wattage won't matter because that, that isn't zero wattage. It has no sound coming out of it whatsoever. So no, it doesn't matter at all. That's not something that's required in any way. Uh, usually, you just, usually if you're going to run your amp through the PA, at that point, you're really just using your amp as a monitor on stage. And if sometimes, uh, you know, some musicians don't even want that. They don't want any sound noise at all. Uh, or sorry, stage noise. I don't know why I said sound noise. Stage noise at all. Kindle from Bensonite Products. Uh, by the way, uh, um, 
if you haven't checked out Kinson, uh, Kindle, if you haven't checked out Bensonite products, uh, I, I posted some stuff on Instagram. Uh, I did it for a customer. I put them on a customer's guitar. He absolutely loves it. And one of the patrons got one. He loves it too. So check out their saddles. I think that, I thought they were really cool, man. I really, really dug them. Uh, says, hello, Phil. I have a 91 telly with green stuff between the frets and the wood. Texted you a pic uh, just now. Any solutions? Say, so he texted me a picture. <laughs> well, hope it's a picture. Hey, no, I'm just kidding. This is the right picture. Okay. So yes, I'm looking at the picture. I don't know. Hold on a second. Uh, I mean, I could probably transfer it. Let's see if I can make it dark enough. There you go. You can't see anything. That's, hey, look, but that's a, that's a guitar neck. I promise. Um, uh, yeah, I can see it. It's green and it's oxidized on the frets on the side to clean that. Um, well, the problem, what I'm looking at is, yeah, the metal's got the green oxidation in it, but it's also got the, uh, it looks like it's underneath the finish and the, on the wood or on the wood. It, it, you haven't used, I'm assuming you haven't used like guitar polish. I mean, sometimes that will just, uh, that'll just take care of it right there. Right. Um, I, I mean, there's a ton of things you can use. I have, I have, I'm not in the shop right now and I don't know what I grab. I have all kinds of stuff to clean, uh, corrosion, rust, every, every, you know, the typical stuff. I feel horrible. <laughs> Somebody's going to probably get in the comments. Like I'm thinking of what I use. I have all kinds of everything from WD-40, which is not what I would use in that particular case. Um, to all kinds of corrosion light type cleaners for metals that work really good. Oh, you know what I, I, I really like too? There's a um, stuff from Music Nomad that I'm using because Mu Music Nomad sent me a, a package, if you guys know, about a year ago. I did a video for American Musical Supply for Music Nomad. So American Musical Supply asked me to do a video of Music Nomad products and check them out. Of course, I'm like, to this day, it's probably one of my favorite videos in the idea that like, I got to check out all the Music Nomad products and I really, really do love a lot of those products and one of the one of the besides the f1 oil one of my favorites i love their guitar polish i like their their metal cleaner uh and i use that like crazy all their cleaning supplies all of that stuff in fact the only thing i'm not a fan of and i'm definitely alone on this <laughs> i'm not a fan of their neck cradle if you notice in the videos i even use the music nomad mat um, I preferred it over my Stu Mac mat and of course my other mats that I've accumulated over the years. Uh, to be honest with you, I just, you know, I, I like, I'll use a dollar store bath, bath mat. Uh, you know, I like a clean surface for the guitar every time. So, but, uh, the blue music nomad neck cradle thing, uh, it's cool in, in how it works and what it, what it does, but it just, for me, it just didn't work for me. I've spent too many years with the same neck cradles, which are old as hell, and they've been on my benches forever. So, other than that, I love all their cleaning supplies. So check that out. They have the uh, their it's like their their metal cleaning solution, or it's a it's a little tube. It's fantastic. Um, one of the things, the reason why I like their stuff, <laughs> well, it sounds like a like a total sales speech, uh, but it's true. The reason I like their stuff is, um, and I've, and I've tried it. I've did what they said. They said that I can basically take all their cleaners and put it on anything. Like they said, I could take their polish and put it on the neck or put it on the body. It doesn't matter. I put it on the pickups and I've done that. And with my personal guitars and I've had no, no detriment, no problem. So something I, I would suggest, but other than that, I'd have to go look at my shop because I have like a whole cage full of little products that i've used for years and that's not remember where i live you know i repair the problems that happen where i live and where i live it's dry <laughs> it's very dry uh no moisture it rains like six times a year here maybe uh i'm exaggerating but not by much 
And um, so I don't have, we don't have a problem with corroded anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't come, it doesn't come here very often, even when guitars are shipped here from other places. Um, usually we're dealing with the other problems. Um, so, um, so there you go. Okay. Uh, what else? Bradley. Bradley's question says, can I install a five-way switch on my PRS where the second and fourth position act like a kill switch? Yeah. In fact, you might do that accidentally if you don't hook it up right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, you would just wire the switch up like a three-way switch. That's generally correct. But yeah, you would absolutely no problem to do that at all. Um, you can do it for sure. Or you might have to wire it, just now I think about it, you might have to wire it where it grounds out in those two positions. But either way, it's an easy thing to do, and you can find a schematic online. It's it's definitely doable. You would be the first, Bradley, I've ever seen do it. <laughs> That's So let me put it this way. The reason I know it can be done is it happens sometimes to customers, and probably even me one or two times when I'm wiring something up, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Uh, so it happens when you don't want it to happen. So of course you can make it happen, but I've never had anybody actually want that as a kill switch, but it, it sounds like a cool idea. Maybe you could just move. My, my problem is if you're trying to use it as a kill switch, that switch is just not predictable enough as a kill switch. I've tried, I've had, I've had so many players over the years have me install all kinds of things as kill switches, three-way toggle switches, uh, you know, five-way switches, all kinds of ways to do kill switches. And what I've learned is even if they work, they're either cumbersome or they don't last because that's you're putting a lot of abuse on a, on a, on a switch. Uh, so like those Tessie switches and all those like instant kill switches and stuff, and maybe those little mini, like really built really well kill switches, uh, like two-way switches that you can get, I think from Tessie as well. Um, work just so much better. You know what I mean? So something to think about something just so something to think about. All right, let me go. I'm now I'm in the, in the back in the main comments looking for what you guys are talking about. Brian wants to know what is the groovy guitar next to the green telly over my right shoulder? <laughs> I'm so nervous to turn my head right now. Is this my right shoulder? What's my right shoulder? This is my right shoulder. Am I looking at it? Oh, I guess I am. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. The Next to my... Okay, next to the green telly over... What's the green guitar? Oh, that's my Nuno N4. So if you watch my collection video, I... I show it in there. Um, somebody did ask, uh, not, not that it matters, but somebody did ask on the on that, um, because I had to edit those, you know, obviously that down to 30 minutes. Uh, I had much longer discussions about each guitar and the original hour and 30-something minute <laughs> original uh, video. Um, uh, I had that guitar dipped. I had it dipped, is basically. So it didn't come stock painted like that. I had that done. It's always creepy when I'm quiet for a second while I'm reading. Okay. Oh, Superjet113 said the best is the book buckethead type Tessie switch. You know, I don't currently own a guitar with a kill switch. And, um... 
I was thinking about doing that, installing a kill switch and a guitar. I've, I don't think I've ever owned personally a kill switch guitar. See, it gets really confusing, and I've noticed that, uh, like when I did the collection video, that's what's nice about certain videos doing certain things, like these shows, these live shows. There's things that maybe, I, I don't know why it would matter, but maybe it does, where maybe I confuse the viewers a little bit. Like some viewers were asking me questions to things I was, re I was personally confused about the question. Like they would go like, where's this? And I'm like, well, obviously a company lent that to me. I don't, I don't own that guitar. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's a difference between what I, what I purchased myself and then what comes through the channel, either through I purchased or, or a company lent me or whatever. And, um, and, uh, one of the things that was confusing was, uh, like I've done so many videos doing mods on guitars. A lot of people were like, were like, oh, where's that guitar where you modded this? Or where's that mod? And I'm like, oh, I, m most of my guitars have very little mods because like I said, um, uh, well, I didn't say that. I'm sorry. I should have said it. That's what I said. Like I should have said, um, you know, I, I work on people's guitars and I love it. I do. I love it. But when I'm done, I don't want to do it to my guitars. It, it's, I used to mod my guitars a lot. Doing doing repairs is not what stopped me from modding my personal guitars. What mod, stopped me from modding my personal guitars is doing YouTube and repairs. You know what I mean? When you do a video about modding something and then you do and you mod something for and right, you're modding stuff all the time. I I, I want to play my guitar. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I work on guitars all the time. I love it, but I want to play guitar. I I, I uh, that that's so when I'm when I'm around my guitars, I just play them. I don't do anything to them. I just play them. Um, Let's see. Uh, Matthew says, what does Matthew say? Matthew says, on a Strat, does a pickguard material make a difference hmm, between aluminum and plastic? Which is better? I think you're not so much, let's just not say a sound difference because you'll make people nuts. Just think tone wood. And we're going to have tone pickguards. Then everybody will go nuts and there'll be wars on the internet and, and angry middle-aged men will scream at each other in chat rooms at three in the morning about plastic versus aluminum. We don't want that to happen. So Matthew, let's, <laughs> uh, so does the material, uh, is there a difference? Yeah, I'll tell you where it is different. And it depends on the personality, your type of personality, right? Or your psyche. I love the way aluminum pick guards look. Dude, I cannot have one on my guitar. Uh, my fingernails, if they scrape that aluminum pick guard, I literally, it's like, you know, when they say ch nails on a chalkboard, I, I get that thing that I get the, you know, the <laughs> your little whiskers pick up on your neck, you know, right? Your little hairs stick out. It, it really, I can't stand it. It drives me crazy. So, uh, so does it make a difference? It does if you have that problem, because the first time you kind of graze your fingers across that, if that's your thing, that, like me, that you're, you're not like that material. Um, yeah, but I love the way the, the, the anodized pick guards look, love them. I think it's a cool look. Um, but, uh, alas, not for me. Um, whoa, we have, I see everything twice. <laughs> That's a cool name. It says, happy Friday, uh, Phil. How do you think the bad cat stuff compares to Dr. Z? Oh, interesting. Cause I have both those amps hard to tell from reviews if they are the same ballpark. So I've been trying, I have, I don't think I've ever played two freaking amps as much as I play these two bad cats. So you guys know I got a bad cap cup bad cat cub 40 player series which is the made in the usa uh i dare say more affordable but it's like 13 12 1300 uh pc board type uh amp and then i have the bad cat 40 hand wired which is the more expensive unit and absolutely 
there are things I like about both. Um, I do, do really like them. Uh, I wasn't, I mean, I, at first when I plugged in, I liked them, but I mean, I wasn't sure how I, what, you know what I mean? Is it a new amp? You know, you know, sometimes new things are just new. <laughs> um, and, but it, legitimately I have not compared it to my Maz 18. I don't have the Maz 38. That would probably be a better shootout since it's a 40 watt. But, uh, if that's something you're, you're, you're thinking about, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking, I would love to do a comparison of that. Um, the video for the bad cat will be soon. What I did with the bad cat amps, uh, so, you know, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm checking them out constantly playing them, uh, not a being them. I haven't a really a B them very much. I a B them a little bit last Saturday with Ralph for like, you know, 20 minutes, but really what I've been doing is playing one, one day, playing the other one, another day, playing one, one day to see what it is. Not so much comparatively what I like, what do I like and not like about the amp itself. Um, I absolutely really love them and I have not played my Dr. Z since I got the bad cats here. So I, I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I don't know what's different about them. I haven't really gone down that road. Um, so what I can tell you, what I like about the bad cat amps that I'm playing, which is the cub 40 is that it doesn't matter if it's a hand wired or if it's the PC board one they do something that I really like that I find that's really hard to get an amp to do, which is they make a single note sound really big. And that's a sound I really, really, really uh, not only like, that's relevant. I really am chasing that. I've been chasing that a long time. When I say that, it's like, what I'm saying is imagine when you take a Strat, like this blue Strat behind me with single coils. When I pluck a note, sometimes when I play music, I don't, I'm not a shredder. Like, I mean, I, I fake shred cause I was, a, you know, I grew up in that time and I love shred music and I caught a couple shred guitars, but usually when I play music, <laughs> you know, real music with my friends or real music with other musicians or just music for my own entertainment, there's a lot of like subtle, you know, just some chords, some droning tones, you know what I mean? Some notes, you know, just some music, you know, playing along to, to backing tracks, drum tracks, other musicians, um, and I don't like it when the guitar just disappears when you hit a note or a couple of notes. I like them when they're full and sound. The bad caps had that. Um, I can tell you though, um, without a doubt, uh, I already, my, my PRS custom 50, which was my go-to amp for many years. when I bought that in 2015, I want to say I bought that in 2015. I might've bought it in 2016. So I've had that now for four or five years. It's been my go-to clean amp. It's in the garage. Anyone want to buy it? It's for sale. Custom 50, I, I'm no, no way that bad. It did. Well, that was not even a close, like, I don't know. Do I like this or the bad cat? Like literally the bad cat did what, uh, and here's what the bad cat did for me. It did what the custom 50 does when you crank the custom 50, the bad cat was doing it at a lower volume. So sorry to go on and on about that, but, uh, <laughs> Amanda Coombs said, Phil doesn't have a kill switch. That's crazy talk. It is crazy talk. I, I agree. See, you just talked me into it, Amanda. All right. Um, Mike Harvey did a super chat for no reason. I appreciate that. Thank you for supporting the channel. Uh, we call it the tip jar around here. It's like a live band, right? You're just putting something on the stage on the tip jar. Uh, Peter says, hey, Phil, recently bought a Fender player. Telly, is there a way to make the satin neck feel more like gloss finish? So it's a polyurethane finish. Um, it might be polyester finish, but in the grand scheme of things, that's close enough to where, you know what I mean? It's not enough of a difference to worry about. Uh, so it's not a lacquer. So it's not something you can just take 
Um, but uh, yes, if you want to make it more like a gloss finish, you have uh, you can get some Meguiar's uh, non-pores. So you need Meguiar's um, Carnuba wax and get a uh, nice polish buffing cloth and polish it up. <laughs> That's it. It'll it'll last quite quite a while if you want to make it really, really nice and slick. That will work really, really well. Um, probably better than anything else. Like if you take any materials to it or try to, you know, do anything else to it, um, that will really, really do it for sure. And uh, pretty inexpensive if you if you can get the smaller bottle on Amazon. The only thing is, is you got to make sure it doesn't have any pumice in it uh, or any kind of cleaning materials in it, which is pretty easy. Mo I find that's the harder one to get. Uh, the one with the pumice in it. Uh, so don't worry about that so much, but you just don't want any harsh materials in it. You want it to get as, because you're trying to get as smooth as possible. There's other waxes you can use too. And, um, you know, if you want to be lazy, you can get some fingeries and spray it on there. I call that like the Pam cooking spray for guitar players. Just spray that on the back of the neck and it, it'll, it'll, <laughs> you'll feel like you got a slip and slide neck, man. You'll be, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I would rather use the Meguiar's Carnuba wax. You don't have to use that brand. It's just a trusted brand and I have it down the shop and I like it. Uh, Buzz Wilson said, greetings, Phil. Love the recent vid on, uh, uh, the, oh, the split coil wiring. Thank you. I appreciate that. He says, looking for a vintage tone for an HSS guitar. Would you put a 250K or 500K volume pot in it? Also, any advantage to push pull versus toggle? You know what's great? I want to answer two questions. Earlier I saw a question and I didn't get to pen it. And so your question and their question will line up perfectly and because and, uh, and, it was a really interesting question, yours and that one. So first thing is, um, like I said, the rule I follow, it's just my guideline. I shouldn't say rule. It's not, a gu it's not a rule. It's guideline. The guideline I follow is majority rules. So if I have a guitar with two single coils and one humbucker, I don't know why I'm holding my fingers like I am, I will use 250K pots. If I use, if I have a guitar with two humbuckers and one single coil, I will use 500K pots. See what I'm saying? Uh, that's usually the way I will do things, especially a humbucker in the bridge is going to be the brightest of the humbuckers. And not that there's any other humbuckers in your guitar, but if there was a bright humbucker, uh, or sorry, if there was two humbuckers, the bridge would be bright. So the 250K is not going to really dampen that so much and change it so much. Um, so, uh, so I like the 250Ks is what, what it is. However, there's other options besides the fact that you can just do that as a guideline, but you can also mix and match. So for instance, if you have, uh, I was looking, doesn't say what guitar is it? It's, if it's a Strat and you have three knobs, maybe you should do a 500K in the volume pot or 250Ks on the tone pots. You can do that. You can also assign to 250K. Let's say if there's one volume or tone pot to the to the bridge pickup, the humbucker, maybe make that the 500K and then make the 250K to those single coils. The other option is uh, you can get them on Sweetwater. Uh, their fender makes them. They're stackable pots, okay? So they're not hard to find just when you search them. Um, it's a stacked pot. It's a fender part, but there's other markets, but the fender one works really, really good. And it's two potentiometers of 500K and 250K. And you can assign the pickup. So you can assign your single coils to the 250K pot, volume pot, and the humbucker to 500K. You can get as crazy with this as you want, is what I'm trying to say. Me, I'm gonna shove whatever the customer tells me to do, but otherwise I'm just gonna shove 250Ks. On that guitar, I would do three, or three 250Ks or two 250Ks and call it a day. The next part of your question is, the advantage to push-pull versus toggle. 
Well, there's a question that I want to answer first. Somebody asked me if there's a sound difference. Does the coil split sound different with a toggle and a push-pull? I love that question because it reminds me that we're all at different places where we're learning about this guitars and electronics, and that's the point of this channel since day one is to 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 talk to not ever talk over anyone's head. Every all levels, you know, we're gonna talk about gear at all levels. And um, you know, it's funny is no, there's no difference between a toggle switch and a push pull. They're essentially just all a push pull switch is is a toggle switch, is basically that's hiding as a volume pot. So it's you know, it's got a volume pot and it's got a switch underneath it. <laughs> Right, so that's basically what it's doing. So fundamentally, they don't work any different. There's no real major difference in those two switches and what they're going to accomplish, and especially sound-wise. Uh, so think that's that's the easy part. Uh, in your switch, uh, or in your switch, in your question, it's what's the advantage of the push pull push pull versus the toggle? Um, the push pull advantage is is one of two things. One, you don't have a toggle, or you don't want to drill a hole in the guitar because there's no hole there for that toggle switch. So that the push pull is about hiding that switch and putting it without modifying the guitar. That's one. Two, the other thing that's important about a push pull is again is that you not only do you not have to drill a hole, but sometimes you just don't want it to be intrusive. You want it to just be there subtly because you're not going to use it all the time. To me, I think push pull pots are like. For someone who doesn't use uh, a a uh, coil split all the time, so if you look at my personal guitars now, actually now that I have a collection video out, you can actually do that. You'll see exactly that guitars where I coil split a lot have a switch because I'm always hitting the switch, and guitars I don't coil split very often. They use the push pulls because it's like it's an option to be there if I ever need it, but it's not something I'm using all the time. So that's my logic for that. Servando. Servando says, hey, Phil, just wanted to get your thoughts on the Friedman small box versus Dirty Shirley variants. Mini DS40 TS. Okay. Uh, these means twin sister. Uh, I like something dynamic that can get the tool, le tool levels of gain, but cleans up well. Yeah. If I was going for the, me personally, if I was going for the tool sound, I would go with the Dirty Shirley. The Dirty Shirley, uh, Michael from Big Harry Guitars, he did an amazing comparison of the Dirty Shirley Ver that's why I won't do it. I'll never do a video that that I can't bring something to the table. That's the best comparison of that Dirty Shirley and the Small Box 50 on Big Harry Guitars. And uh, and not only in his demonstration of it, because he's a great player and the sound demonstration, but his logic walking through the two amps, uh, now owning the two amps and trying the two amps, I can tell you, I 100% agree. The Dirty Shirley is like Soundgarden. It's darker. It's fatter. It's meatier. It's, it's, that's what it does. So to me, tool getting that sound. Yeah. Yeah. The dirty Shirley. I think the twin sister is even better than dirty Shirley. Not cause it has two rows of knobs, but it added some features like the, the deep uh, switch is nice or deep knob is nice. And, and some other cool features that are great, but, uh, and the small box, that's a quicker attack. There's something about, I, cause now that I have both, my plan was, <laughs> it was a flawed plan. My plan was to eliminate one. You know, everything I do usually is uh, very, very like a lot of the logic of you, a lot of you watching is if I get something new, it's to replace something else. I'm either, I'm either refining a sound I'm going after or I'm sick of the sound I've had or I'm, you know, I'm up something, you know, something different, take me down a different road. Um, when I got the small box 50, my plan was, okay, this will take me down a different road. The real reality is I like the twin sister a lot. I think I like the twin sister better, but there's a lot of things about the small box I like. So what I'm trying to do now is I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of either the small box or the twin sister. I think the amp that's up for grabs is my actual Plexi. 
that's keeping the small box and getting rid of the plexi. So I'll have to think about that. Okay. Uh, what else? <laughs> Looking at some non-Super Chat questions and, ta and conversations. Uh, Matt Scott says, my toggle switch is loud when I flip it and it makes a loud click when I flip it. Is that just because it's cheap? It could be because it's cheap. It also, there's a fix for that. Uh, I, unfortunately, again, sometimes, you know, I can't do things off memory. Um, there's a resistor that you can put that will dampen that. Sometimes that works really well as, uh, as well. Lawrence is here. Maybe he knows the answer. He's, you know, if there's a guy who knows <laughs> those off the top of his head, it's him. But I've had great success with that. Um, it's nothing I've, I've uh, again, something I've seen in the past with guitars. And then when customers had problems like you, I have them in a drawer downstairs. And I know, oh, yeah, it's this little thing. And I put it in there and I'll, I'll install it. And you just literally run it in line. Uh, and it'll, so it'll do that. It'll, it'll stop the, a lot of times that click or pop you're hearing is, um, it, it's, uh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I know what it is. I'm just trying to explain it. It's the sound, right? So the resistor stops the, I guess I want to say feedback. That's not the right feedback, uh, not the word, uh, the right terminology. It stops the sound from coming back into the, into the sound. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Just understand that that's a, that's a thing you can look up and Google it and it's a very easy thing to, to do. Um, a lot of guitar companies have them in guitars for that reason. They're really more popular on push-pull pots than in toggle switch. Uh, and then Lawrence is asking you to clarify, is he talking about acoustically or audio? Yeah, I, I took it as audio, like he's hearing it acoustically, like if the switch is clicking. Yeah, it's just your switch is either loud or broken. <laughs> But yeah, I'm taking it as, uh, and then Lawrence, I think we should take it as that. Cause that's really what I'm, I, I would imagine you would be concerned about. Is it coming through, uh, audio wise? But the great thing is, is now that, you know, you can just put a resistor there, uh, just Google. <laughs> it'll just, it'll find, there'll be tons of, tons of, uh, tons of answers for that. And what's great is maybe that's another video I can make showing you why I've done it. I found it's a very, very small problem to have. Okay. The next, who we got next? We got Christopher. Do we have Christopher? We have Christopher. Hi, Christopher. Says, I have a Korean Diamond M66 Fender owned in two. Yes, they did in 2004-ish. Fender did own Diamond When Diarmond was owned by Guild and then Fender acquired Guild in 2002 is when they did it. Maybe 2001, 2002. So yeah, 2004 would definitely be Diarmond. And as far as I know, Fender still owns Diarmond. I think it's a shelved brand with Fender. I don't think they actually got rid of it. I think they stopped using it. That's not your question though. Supposedly these have USA pickups, but I can't confirm thoughts. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all uh, because at that time, uh, Diarmond was... Uh, making Korean guitars, but they were also had other variants. Like I think they had a U.S. guitar as well, U.S. basses. They were also being put, the Armin pickups were put in Guild. And that's not, uh, would not shock me at all. I can't confirm that they are USA made pickups, but I can tell you that would make sense to me at the time. So yeah. The Smelly Cast Jazz says, what's my take on mini Ash ashtray bridges ashtray bridges i'm gonna say it's ashtray what's my take on mini ashtray bridges and the american pro tellies oh yeah those little mini ashtray bridges about using one in a build for no other reason than it looks cool you know 
<laughs> I, uh, they, same as you. They look cool. It's nothing I would put on my guitar personally for no reason than I just, I have no use for it, but they're cool. I, I know what you're talking about. Instead of the long, big ashtray, it's a shorter one. I like modern block saddles. Um, it's one of those things. Like every decision I make on my personal guitars is about playing them. Uh, and that's, again, things that suck about when you do a guitar uh, collection video. I, I plan to do a, some kind of follow-up to that video, but not a long video, but something like what, what I'm about to say here. If you look at my guitars, there's a consistency to them, all of them. Everything, every decision is about, like somebody asked me, why do all my guitars have plastic knobs instead of metal? Because I like to see the numbers when I turn the knobs. Think of this. I, and, and so when people say, oh, the plastic knobs are ugly. Yes, they are to me too. I don't really, uh, I don't like Strat knobs on non-Strat guitars, That looks, but I like the function. I'm function on, over form. I will make a guitar play and feel the way I want it to play and feel and work before the way it looks. I actually play my guitars. I play a lot every day. It doesn't come across in the way I play because <laughs> I'm not really trying to be technically a you know, virtuoso guitar player, but I play hours every day. There isn't a day where somebody doesn't tell me to knock it off. Let me put it that way. I can go literally zone out and get behind on work even. I play guitar um, and, and bass. I just like to play. I love playing. Um, somebody says, isn't there one right behind me? Isn't one one right behind what? I didn't see the. Hold on. Let's see if it. Okay, um, I didn't catch what it was, but I was gonna say. So back to uh, bridges. So on tellies, on strats, like this telly and strat behind me, I use the modern bridge. That they both came with. That came with bent saddles. Uh, bridge and that came with the three saddle bridge and i put the upgraded bridges in them with the uh the, the block saddles not because i think they sound better not because i think they intonate better not because i think they look cooler i just like the way they feel on my hand and uh that was the whole purpose of telling you why uh all my guitars weigh basically the same is uh if uh, when you guys ask me a question, you're like, when I get rid of a guitar, like, why'd you get rid of it? I get rid of a guitar and I don't play it. That's it. It's super simple. If I pick up a guitar and I notice it's been, it's been a while since I played it, I must not enjoy it. I want to play my guitars. I don't care if I have a thousand guitars or two guitars. If you don't play them, you know, I've lied to myself consistently and I'm probably still not done lying to myself. I tell myself the opposite. I tell myself I want guitars for art. I'll take a guitar and I'll put it downstairs and hang it in the front room. And I think I'm just going to use that for art. And the reality is a month or two goes by and I haven't played it. And it's got dust on it. I literally just get rid of it because if I don't play a guitar, it's got to go. I just, uh, I don't know. It's just my personality. I'm that way about everything. It has nothing to do with guitars. Everything. I don't, I, let me give me an idea. Just to give you an idea how serious I am, uh, my wife and I have been married for 22 years, coming up on 23 years. Let me let me tell you something my wife uh, will do. If my wife can't find something in the house, to this day, 20, 22 years of your marriage, and that's 22 years of marriage, but then we were dated like three, four years before that, friends about four years before that. So it's been a long time. We've known each other. If anything is missing in this house, the first thing my wife says, did you throw that away? <laughs> I don't care what it is. She's like, did you get rid of it? 
So I'm so serious about not, if I don't use something that's gone, I don't even own a car anymore. So you guys know, I haven't owned a car since January of this year. I own nothing. I own no car, no more cars. My daughter turned 16 and my wife gave her her car and bought a new car. My son uh, lives at home and he's got a car. There's three cars in the driveway. And I told them I sold my truck. So I got rid of my truck. Why? Because uh, last year I put 2,600 in 2020. I know it was COVID. doesn't matter. In 2020, I put 2,600 miles on my truck for the entire year. So I sold my truck. I don't own a car because I'm pretty serious. If I don't use something, it goes. And it's just been my personality forever. So it's hard for me. And it, it added detriment. Sometimes I shouldn't get rid of stuff because I miss it. <laughs> but uh, so like I said, it's just my philosophy on life. If I don't use it, it doesn't stay. Even if it's a car. I rather, so I Uber if I have to, or I borrow a car. Um, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Curtis says, Phil, this is being recorded. Of course it is. But so, you know, she, she knows, like I said, when it comes to what my wife, my wife knows my personality. She knows that I, I just have no, t uh, I, like I said, I like, I like my money to have value. And if I feel like I'm getting value out of my money, I, I'm happy. And if I don't, I get kind of like, you know, guilty or sad. It takes me down a couple notches. Uh, let's see. Um, let's do another one. Here's the next question. It comes from Chad who says, why is... It acoustic companies market sustainability. What? <laughs> Why is it acoustic companies market sustainability, but not electric makers? I can't seem to figure out who makes sustainable electric guitars. I, Chad, I, I'm confused by the question. Why? I'm going to say, why is acoustic companies market sustain, sustainability? Why is it sustainability, but not electric makers? I don't understand the question. So you understand I'm at a disadvantage and I can't clarify with you. So let me, let me take a shot at what you probably may be going at. Are you talking about why? And, and what I get from this is there's a reference to acoustic companies do talk about sustainability with trees and wood where electric companies do not have that conversation. Is that why you're at? I guess that's what at the sense of what maybe this question is. Why do acoustic companies have this discussion or have this issue and not electric guitar companies? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but, but I understand what you're saying. And if that's what you're saying, because I have experienced the same thing, like you'll see Taylor and Martin talk about wood and sustainability and detriment to the environment way more than you'll ever see Gibson Fender doing that. And, um, I don't know why that is. Uh, I just don't, I don't know, but it's a, I don't know. Uh, hopefully that is the question and we got some kind of answer out of it. Jeff says, New guitar day, kinda. <laughs> I get it next week. Hey, that's cool. Texas Toast Custom Single Nut Single Cut P90 premiere uh, premiere on their show tonight. Ah, if you get a chance, I will definitely check that out. Uh, that sounds really cool. I was on their website maybe last night. It could have been the night before. They had a Daily Driver Red S style guitar for two grand. I was looking at that. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I, I don't know, like you guys, I hope, uh, or maybe not. I dream about guitars even when I, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to buy another guitar right now, but I still like to look at your guitars and think about them, you know, dissect them. Not, not all my guitar decisions are easy, so I need to kind of think about them, but it's funny that you got a Texas Toast. I was just looking at them the other night. Uh, great, great dudes, by the way. Um, I have never tried one of their guitars. But I like their videos. I like them. Uh, it's a good vibe. And 
if I ever get half a uh, an inkling, I, I hope I can go up there to Colorado and and hang out for a day or two. I'd like to do a shop tour. We talked about it briefly doing it, and then you know it's COVID, and now now maybe it's time to do something like that. Maybe I need to leave the house for a moment. <laughs> So, uh, another Jeff, not the Jeff that just asked that question. This is another Jeff. This is another Jeff who says, Hey, Phil, have you ever used the Stumac nut slot cutting gauge? And if yes, any possible, any possibility of seeing you use it in a video. So I've never used it and I don't have it. Um, a lot of times with Stumac tools, as you can imagine, they come up with stuff all the time. That was a tool that they came out with after I started doing stuff. (laughs) <laughs> on guitars. So I I have really come a long way on YouTube in the last couple of years of learning new things to show you guys or using new tools. And a lot of times I'm, I'm showing you guys a tool and doing something because it's, it's a new tool, but it's a little different because I'm as guilty as anybody who works on anything for a living. 90% of the tools I use every day uh, I've been using for 15, 20 years. In fact, I've been using the Music Nomad nut files consistently now for over a month in the shop downstairs, guitar after guitar after guitar. And I've been forcing myself because as much as I like them, every day I'm like, but my my old tried and trues are right here. I could just, you know, I'm just so used to doing it the way I want to do it. And I'm doing it because I want to make a video. I'm I, not one, I'm doing a video of music nomad nut files and i want to be able to not only show demonstrate them that's not the point to actually give you some insight of what i liked about them and didn't like about them and um it's tough right it's tough because like i said we're creatures of habit i want to use my old mira and strat i want to use my old tools but i have a youtube channel and i want to be relevant and keep consistent with new stuff and talk about things that are innovative and things that are you're curious about. The point of YouTube, I, I'm just going to get on a tirade again here for a second. Just give me two seconds of indulgence, please. The point, a good review channel, a good demo channel, the point of it is not to get you to buy crap. The point of it is to give you resources. Because like I said, I, I like the term surrogate. I think I took that from China Guitar Skeptic, <laughs> but doesn't matter. It's a great idea, and he deserves credit. If it, I don't, uh, surrogate, you know, I'm like you in the idea that you're that I go on YouTube at night and I'm like looking at a, a thing, and I want to investigate it and learn it because I can't touch it. So, um, you know, I I sit there and I go uh, when people talk about like, hey, why why don't you just use this one thing or why don't you do that one thing? And I go, why well, do? But that wouldn't be an interesting video if I just every week said, hey, everybody, I'm still using the same three tools and the same two guitars. <laughs> Good luck figuring out everything else for yourself. So again, I'm trying to give you guys experiences and information. So the tool thing is a little tough for me. It's harder than guitars. That's what I basically want to say is the tool thing is a tougher thing for me because as much as I like my guitars the way I like my guitars, it's easy to try new guitars because it's exciting. New tools are not exciting uh, you know what I mean? It's like, I have a pen, you're giving me a new pen. I like my old pen, you know, get the idea. So, um, so that's, uh, that's my thing. So back to that thing, uh, doing a video with that, that would have to be a Stumac thing. In other words, Stumac has contacted me in the past and asked me to do videos. I did videos on their channel, even, uh, you know, with showing off their products and stuff. Um, it's always going to be that it's going to be, they asked me, I think there's a purpose for it. I'd like to do it because you know, it's, it's interesting, but I, I, it's not something I use. So it's not something I plan to buy and, and do a video of. So there you go. That helps. So, 
Okay. Um, hold on. Oh, I'm just looking at anything else in the comments. Oh, you know what? Marcel's got an interesting question. He says, hey, Phil, have you ever, enc ever encountered mislabeled guitars? I have a Strat Deluxe that has a Telecaster Deluxe label on it on the headstock. No telly I know ever had Maple 22 fret large Strat headstock. Uh, I've never experienced that. I have experienced, usually when I see mislabeled anythings, it's usually coming from a country where they don't like English isn't the language there. And that sometimes that happens. Like things come upside down. I've seen that where they put logos upside down. I've seen where they put the wrong logos on stuff that I've seen, but it's not common, <laughs> but yeah, I've seen it. That's funny though. Uh, I'm, you're not the first person ever to tell me that they had a strat or a telly labeled the opposite though. Uh, so uh, not, I, I mean, first period, even on this channel, I've had multiples mention that over the podcast of the year. So it's possible. Um, we have, what do we have? We got Michael. What does Michael want to know? Michael says, I took your advice last week and I picked up a used HX effects from guitar center to figure out what pedals I like, then returned it. <laughs> and I bought a comp delay and three O and three ODs. They cost a little more, but they make me happy. Yeah. Analog pedals. There's something magical about analog pedals. There's something practical about digital pedals. Maybe that's not real. That's how I feel. I do feel that way. I feel like, you know, that's that's just the reality of it. Um, so it's cool. I hope it's I hope you're saying you returned it because you realize real quickly, like, yeah, these are a couple of facts I like, and then you figured you put your money into something better, and that's the whole point of being able to try stuff and and return it to the store and exchange it for something else. Really cool. Uh, and I'm glad you found the right stuff because again, it makes a difference. It makes a big difference. U21RW87 said, no question here. I'm fine. No, just kidding. No question here. Just a thank you for what you do. I recently picked up a guitar again after 17 years, and your videos helped out immensely. That's my... That's always amazing to hear. You know, I use uh, playing music as therapy for sure. And uh, and so, I mean, it's a, look, there's there's a reason why when I've told stories in my life that there's, you know, I, I went in the army and then I went into the corporate world and then I ended up back in this industry. I ended up back in this industry. Uh, and like I said, I've, ne I've, I've said this many times. I'll never tell you the exact details. It's just too personal. It's not worth it for me to ha to talk about it. But what I will tell you is I never left the corporate world because I hated corporate America. Um, you know what I mean? I, I decided that I needed to change my life fundamentally for a lot of reasons, physical, mental, all kinds of things. And the reason I say that is that I, I have a saying. Again, when I say I have a saying, there is a saying. How about that? I, I, don't, I don't have to take credit for it. Uh, music is a lifelong journey. Playing guitar is a lifelong journey. I love it when somebody goes, oh, what if I buy, you know, if you buy a guitar, what if you don't play it? That, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you put that, if you play a guitar for a year and then put it down and then 20 years, pick it up again. It's a lifelong journey. Sometimes you play guitar. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you listen to your music and sometimes you listen to the news and then go back to music. The important part is that every time you put music back in your life, it will physically and mentally change you in the most positive way. And I'll never feel corny saying that in a million years. As someone who's needed it in many times in my life for a ton of reasons, I've seen its power and what it does for people. And I can see it just when we congregate every week to talk about this stupid stuff we're talking about. That doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters, but it's so fun to talk about. Sure, funner than everything else on YouTube. 
<laughs> for those of you who are like me and I'm like you that makes those mistakes and hits those wrong, stupid videos on YouTube that are either political or horrible. And then all of a sudden YouTube just wants to feed you dismay and horror for the next three days. Um, you know, this is their, this is their, this is our time away from that. So I'm glad to hear that you're back to get, uh, playing music after 17 years. It's awesome. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, congratulations. Matt says, I have several Guild Electrics, and I am surprised that they have a very small presence on YouTube. Yeah, okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> are, they, are they yet another company that doesn't get YouTube? Yeah, look, ultimately, the only way you're going to get presented products in the YouTube arena is one of two things. People, the person who has the channel loves that product line. Like me, think about this. I started my channel with Mesa Boogies. I had a couple PRSs. I had my Fenders, a lot of Fender amps. Um, those are what I talked about, right? You know, because that's what I had and that's what I was using. Those are things I enjoyed. Um, there's a few brands that have gained, like my favorite brand now that think about is Kiesel and the idea that Kiesel came from you guys. That was you guys pushing Kiesel on me. That Kiesel never came to me and said, hey, we want to start sending you Kiesel products. You guys wouldn't, you know, like a lot of products, you guys talked about it. And then I got interested in the products. And then I had a really, I, I built a relationship with Kiesel guys. So that's a product line that happens that way. I like that. That's an organic way that for that to happen. I like that. Um, but back to your, uh, your issue, Matt, is yeah, what's going to happen is like everything, either a company's got to get out there and promote on YouTube with these guitar channels uh, or the guitar channel itself has to just be interested in the product line. So Guild is a, definitely a brand that like, you know, they don't reach out to anybody. I think, and I don't want to say I'm, I, I don't want to say it, uh, I can't remember exactly. So I don't want to misrepresent this. I think Guild is a company that's reached out to me in the past. That sounds familiar. I might be thinking ovation. I don't know. You get companies from time to time. They reach out. I've had, uh, Diamond, Diamond Guitars reached out recently. There's companies that reach out and you can, it's exactly what you're saying. They really don't get YouTube and they don't understand. Uh, it's really hard. Uh, I really understand now uh, what a lot of channels that have been doing this for a lot longer than me, and I've been doing it a pretty long time, uh, un understand what they say when now when like companies come at you and basically like, hey, why don't you make 20 videos for free for us? And you're like, why don't you say please? <laughs> <laughs> that's my nice take on it, right? Some, some channels are offended if it's, you know, if they just want them to work for free. I'm not even upset about working for free. I just can't understand why the please and thank yous can't come in the same damn email. Um, but, uh, you know, you're like, hey, you know, imagine somebody contacting you if you're a plumber, like, hey, why don't you come fix my yard next week? And you're like, please? <laughs> you know, like, all right. Uh, but anyways, um, so uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, I'm trying to say, yeah, they, they just probably aren't there. Great, great stuff. And um, there you go. But I've said this before. Um, you guys, please, you're the community here. It's a community. That's why I'm talking to you every Friday. We're here every Friday. I'm here every Friday with you. We're talking every Friday. I'm, I'm reading your comments. I'm not interviewing anybody else. These are you guys talking to me. Uh, I'm talking back to you. That's the whole point of this show. I make videos. You watch them, maybe. <laughs> and then I have this discussion where we can talk about all the things. So you know all the stuff behind the scenes. There's no there's no secrets here. If you guys ask, then I tell. That's how it works. 
Um, the point is uh, you can reach out to companies for me. Like I said, you can be ambassadors to brands for me. Uh, I, I forgot and I feel, please, you know, I read a lot of emails. Somebody just reached out to me recently and they reached out to Reverb and, and said they are not Reverb, sorry, Reverend, and asked Reverend, hey, you should send a guitar or some pickups to Phil McKnight. And again, you can speak in my behalf, right? If, you, the, if you're a viewer of my channel and you support my channel by subscribing, hitting the like button, buying a shirt, being a patron, doing a super chat, saying a nice comment, <laughs> right? Again, it's not always, like I said, like I said earlier, not everything's about money. Could be just about a nice thing. Nice, nice, nice little comment. Hey, Phil, nice video. You're supporting my channel. I have no problem as part of the community of you being an ambassador and saying, hey, Phil McKnight, I like this channel. If you send him a guitar, he'll do a video. He's not gonna charge you. He doesn't want the guitar for free. He'll send it right back. They'll pay back and forth because... You know what I mean? That's 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 a fair fair mutual agreement, but you can speak to that for me, right? So if Reverend ever reaches out to me, <laughs> like right, because somebody reached out to them, I will do that deal. What I'll be like, yeah, send out a guitar. I'll do a video, send it back. It's my time, my in it, right? And it, and so uh, why? Because yeah, if you did that, it's likely a lot of you will want to watch the video and then I can get paid from the video being made. That's likely. But sometimes that's not ha doesn't happen. The video doesn't get the views and I don't get paid. But you know what? That's why we're hanging out here this Friday too. I get to try out something cool. We have a, we have a weird internet relationship. <laughs> so yeah, please. So in your case, um, so basically what I'm trying to say, uh, Matt, is you can reach out to Guild. Say, hey, man, no one does Guild. There's this channel I like. If you send them a guitar, just, you know, hey, my email's public. Just send them an email. And I, I'm pretty fast at getting to the companies because the, their companies kind of poke out through your emails. And I'll say, yeah. They say, hey, we send you a guitar and would you do a video? Yeah. Viewer wants it. Why not? What do we, what do we got to lose? A day. A day of my time uh, for something that's cool. I like Guild. Grumpy Mike Guitar, what's up? I saw you saw, I saw you saw that I made you a moderator today. Uh, the moderator thing got jacked up. Uh, what did we do? We were changing something in the presets on June 1st. And whatever we did, I've apparently messed up a lot of things. So Matt, you're not a mess up. You were, I was made moderator. I had to go through and find. So what I was doing is I was, I had, I lost some moderators like, uh, and I was, I, to get back a moderator, had, you had to make a comment. I had to hit moderator. So I saw you, I think, last week, and I clicked the button on you. So there you go. So there you go. So I fixed that. Uh, anyways, he's got a comment. <laughs> it wasn't about that. He says, for the tone jar and why not? Because that's what he says all the time. That's his thing. Thanks for the wrench. Oh, yes, the wrench. Yes. Now, Grumpy Mike, we got to convince my mic. Oh, my wife. We got to convince my wife to send you a mug. I can get her to do that. I can, maybe if I... I, I'm, I'll be nice to her this weekend. She'll make you a mug. So I like my mug. I got a moderator mug. I'm not even a moderator. I like it. Um, Music Therapy Laz says, it's my birthday next Tuesday. Happy birthday. He says, uh, what guitar should I buy? <laughs> I, don't, I love that. Uh, I was thinking of Kramer Beretta for a mod for an EVH tribute. Thoughts? I have a Kramer curse. Uh, I have I have two curses. I have a nacho curse and I have a Kramer curse. Uh, my whole family has the nacho curse. It's a joke inside of my family. It's not funny. 
Uh, it's just, we've, as a family, we went to restaurants and got nachos and they were really bad. And then we went to another place and, and we ordered nachos. We were at the zoo once and we ordered nachos, like as a family, you know, right? For like for lunch, let's not eat a lunch. Let's have nachos. And then we'll walk the park and then we'll have dinner that night. And we waited like 40 minutes for these nachos. And then we went to the counter, you know, we kept going by the counter and they were like, sorry, we're just busy. And then finally we go to the counter and they go, oh, we don't have nachos. So we just have a joke. We have a nacho curse. So I have a, a Kramer curse. I bought a Kramer, my first Kramer ever on YouTube. Uh, I even mentioned it on this podcast. It was blue. It was amazing. I loved it. My buddy Brian, if you guys remember the story, you can, if not, you can go back to the podcast. It's there. He called me and said, that was my, that was my Kramer when I was a kid. And so I sent it to him. I actually sold it to him for what I paid and then plus shipping, but Cheddar Kung Pao and a couple of you guys paid the shipping for him. So it worked out great. Um, and so I sent it to, to him. So no Kramer for me. And then my next Kramer was going to be my Dave Sabo Kramer. And I bought one and it came in and it was, the paint was jacked up. <laughs> it was all jacked up. And, uh, I thought about keeping it, but you know, it was a thousand bucks. It's made in Indonesia. It's one of those things like, you know, do I really, am I really going to really play the Sabo guitar all the time? It's really just like life Sabo. I love Skid Row. I love this guitar. It's nostalgic. You know, it's an emotional purchase. And I was like, I don't know. And then I thought about it and I go, no. And, and, um, so it, I didn't keep it, but so that's my answer is what, what you, you should get a Kramer, Kramer and not have a Kramer curse. Uh, you know, the, you know, the rules on the channel, <laughs> if you say, if you ask if you should buy a guitar, the answer is yes, because it helps the economy and it's a guitar channel. <laughs> Think about this. It's in my interest for you to buy guitars. The more, more guitars you buy, the more you'll want to talk about guitars, I guess. Okay. We're going to get through. We have, we have, we have 10 minutes. We're going to get through some of these. What are we going to do? We're going to get through. Okay, Fret Level Midnight. Hey, Fret Level Midnight says, I use my volume and tone control often. I found great knobs that are numbered with Lumen Lays, right? Uh, from Mr. Works uh, and from Japan. It's Meister Works. Meister Works from Japan. Have them on my golden session. Oh, that's cool. Um, I don't think I've ever tried those knobs, but... Uh, that's cool. In other words, that's cool. I don't know. I, I guess, yeah, it's cool. So keep, take note of that, as I guess what we're trying to say. He wants aluminum knobs. It's really cool. Ed did a super chat. Thank you to support the channel. Appreciate that in the tip jar. Uh, Philly Adams 26 says, Phil, no, he says, your how to inspect the used Gibson Les Paul video helped me negotiate $900 off. Thanks. Any recommendations on a guitar stand that won't ruin nitro? Uh, I use string swing. String swing will not publicly state that their uh, hangers do not ruin nitro. It's look, string swing is, I get it, man. String swing is li literally a mom and pop business. They're a small company. It's like probably a dozen employees. They're made in the USA. They make the stuff in the USA. I literally only use string swing. I use zither stands. They have, um, they use string swings on the zither stands. It's what I use. It's all I use. It's all I've ever used. Um, my uh, Gibson R9 is on a string swing hang hanger right as we speak. That's all my Gibson lacquer guitars. All my, my PRS hollow body too is on a string swing. So what I'm telling you is if I give you the advice, all I can say is I can't guarantee it's not going to hurt your nitro. What I'm saying is, is I'm doing it myself, putting my money where my mouth is. That, if that gives you some kind of reassurance to buy from them, uh, hopefully it does. 
But like I said, some people will still tell you to put some cloth over it, but I literally don't, and I've never had a problem, ever. I have no lacquer burns on any guitar. And as you see, they all hang. <laughs> so that's so that's where they're on. So there you go. Uh, now, you were saying basically a guitar stand, but I was going to say the zither stand is a string swing stand, and it's a these are freaking amazing. I love the zither stands. I, I mean, hey, just watch the video where I try to knock it over. <laughs> it's a great video. Um, Dr. Dr. Toronto. <laughs> Why did I say it that way? Dr. Toronto. Because uh, I was trying to think, is it a real doctor? Or is he just saying doctor? Dr. Toronto says, my volume knobs go to 11. Really? What's funny was, uh, I think I've told this joke. It's not a joke, but it's a joke on me. When Spinal Tap came out, the movie, I didn't get the joke. Look, it was a different time. There wasn't the internet. Why well, didn't get the joke when he's, he's like, these amps go to 11. Well, at that time when that movie came out, I was playing a Fender amp and my Fender amp went to 12. So I was like, oh, well, his amp's broken. <laughs> like, I didn't, he's, it's one louder. I'm like, no, it's one less louder. I, my amps go to 12. So my Fender amp goes to 12. <laughs> this is true. I got it after a minute, but at first I was like, I didn't understand. So I was like, you know, we watched it on VHS. <laughs> And I was like, I, I don't get it. My amp goes to 12. Uh, so uh, so that's cool that your volume now goes 11. <laughs> Alex, manufacturing has gotten so much better. How is a 2021 Squire Strat better than, let's say, a 2001 Made in America Fender Strat? I don't, I wouldn't say it's better. I'd say, okay, well, let me get, let me get to more of your question, okay? Or a 57 Strat. Okay, let's, I, okay, you're going there. How is the 20? Or how is the 2001 better than the 57, et cetera? Okay, so at the core of this question, what we're really talking about is manufacturers improved, our guitars, uh, you know, are the new, like, is the Squire better or as good as an American Strat? Well, look, manufacturing tolerance-wise, sure, sure. I, I, really, I, really, I really believe that. And again, that's a blanket statement, and it can't cover every scenario. So you guys can randomly start grabbing things where this isn't the case. But we're talking about a 7 out of 10 scenario, right? 7 out of 10 times, yeah, the new Squires are made machine-wise, very good tolerance, very good fit and finish, and on par with a lot of things that Amer the American-made Strats are putting out, especially American Strats, let's say, back in 2001, right? Not that they were any worse or anything. However, what the higher-end guitars? See, th this is the, the kick. This is where it's all going to change for us, okay? Uh, and I'm going to get a little... Little side on sideways on your on your question because it's important because I I'd rather just talk in the information that makes the most sense. I own a lot of American made guitars. Why I've been in this industry a long time. I've told you guys this a long time. The the there's those guitars have value. Not only do they have value and they tend to tend to keep value, I can even see how companies interact with YouTubers like me. I've said this a million times. I'll say it a million times more. Again, I had nothing from you guys. Dude, I can get a company to send me an import guitar usually with a phone call or a text. I can be like, if I reach out to a, a decent company and say, hey, send me a, a blah, blah, blah import guitar to do a video, they're Johnny on the spot. Getting an American-made guitar sent out for any reason is almost impossible. And the reason is they don't need to try to sell the American-made guitar. Everybody wants one. It's just how it works. We're not arguing that they're better. We're arguing how they sell. They have demand, and they will always have demand. It probably won't change for a lot of reasons. What we fundamentally have to think about, though, besides, you know, if you live in the United States, you want products to come from the United States. If you live in Europe, you want products to come from Europe. 
Somebody may be watching the channel from China, even though I think this stuff's blocked from people in China. But let's say somebody's in China right now. They probably want stuff to come from China. There's nothing wrong with having national pride. There's nothing wrong with wanting your economy to do the, to, to be your economy's, you know, help your economy. That's not what I'm going with this. Where I'm going with this is this. The more expensive a guitar, the more somebody should be able to put their hands on it and improve it because machines can take a guitar very far, but not all the way. Okay. So in other words, a machine can make a neck, cut out a neck perfectly. A machine can cut out a body perfectly. A machine can do a lot of stuff. And especially in today's day and age with almost no factories, and I've been to 33 of them, so this is important, no, almost no factories having machine shops, which means almost all these factories are buying their bridges and tuning keys. In fact, I've never seen, well, not say never, it's very rare to see any manufacturer making their own tuning keys in today's day and age. They're buying those parts and putting them on these bodies and necks. And the fret wire is all bought usually from a, another company, another like Dunlop or other, you know, uh, other type of companies. So what we're seeing now is you have companies that are building guitars and the more expensive they charge for the guitar. And get, notice I'm not saying where it's built. It doesn't matter. Made in the USA, made in Indonesia. The more the, they can charge for the guitar, the more they can do hand finishing, which really takes it to the next level. And... So my point to that question is, when I say, I think, because uh, I'm going to say it right now, I think an American standard or American professional Stratocaster 2021 right now, and I don't care if it's 2001 or 2021, I think it's better than, let's say, a, uh, a vintage Vibe Squire. When I say better, I don't mean it's literally a better product. I mean, it's got more, on average, hand time on it because I know I'm working on them. I can see what I have to do when somebody hands me a guitar. There's a little bit of work that I have to put into some guitars. And usually the least, ex the more less expensive the guitar is, the more I'm going to be polishing frets and finishing a few things that really get addressed when the guitar is more expensive. So to answer your question, it's not about if Squire is better than Fender American Strats or when or if that will ever happen. It's always going to be that it's going to be what the term I love is fast guitars and slow guitars. Some guitars are made very quickly. They're called fast guitars. Some guitars are made slow. They're called slow guitars. In other words, slow means more time. They can drive the wood a little better, take a little longer on the hand time, take a little more time buffing, take a little more time uh, bringing it back and forth with QA to make sure it's right. And, and that has nothing to do with where it's made anymore. It's about how much we're going to spend on it. So, um, so I think the better way to argue or not argue, but to take that question to a level that makes more sense to me is at what price does Squire have to be to be as good or better in almost every way than an American Strat? If I was going to throw a guess, if you were talking about Indonesian Squire, just a guess, right? And I, and I don't mean physically what it takes to make the guitar that good. I mean, what's Fender going to be happy with, with a profit margin? $700. I think if Squires went for seven to eight hundred dollars, six ninety nine, seven ninety nine, I think we would be seeing Squires that are not at, almost as good as American Strats. I think they'll be just as good, if not better. So, uh, and Fender's probably not ready for that. But we are seeing companies who are. There are guitars out there. I, I, I play them all the time. I review enough guitars. That you can put. I put my hands on some guitars that blow me away all the time. That I'm just shocked with, which you see in those videos. Those are some legitimate comments where, where I'm like. Uh, you know, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? There, and it's always the same thing. Some hands, definitely, I can tell that some hands would be put on there. 
Uh, so there you go. I know that's kind of a weird way to come at that question, but I think that's hopefully illustrates it the best in what my opinions are on that subject and what something to think about. This isn't really about my opinions. It's really about hopefully thought provoking discussion that makes you have an opinion and you guys can, you know, go have, you know, think about it yourselves. Uh, Ryan says, I bought my first S-Type guitar, Char Charvel Pro Mod, SoCal Style 1. I love it. Floyd Rose is out of pop in trim bars. Floyd Rose is out of pop in trim bars. Best, easiest alternative. FU Tone? Okay, so I don't know, understand the question fully, but I but let's I get the idea. There's something wrong with your tremolo arm, and should you go to FU Tone? Yeah, that's where I would go. <laughs> I buy stuff from FU Tone or a lot of times because I get I get cost at like companies like All Parts and other stuff because I have a, a wholesale accounts uh, for for the business. Um, I'll buy from stuff like that, but a lot of times if I'm buying for myself personal, if I need a really good part, FU Tone. I really I really like FU Tone. I've had good experiences with them and their quality overall. So yes, and uh, and my favorite thing to do with any Floyd Rose, whether whether it's a lower price one or it's a mid price one or if it's made in Korea or whatever, is I like to put the German. Uh, Floyd uh, tremolo arm assembly. It's a whole assembly. It's a it's a collar and the arm assembly, and and you just put it in and replace it. and It's fantastic. And um, a lot of people talk about the um, knife edge points and the screws and all that stuff. And that stuff does matter to some degree. But in the grand scheme of things, I've seen really crappy Floyd Rose copy bridges played by really amazing professional players, played for 20 years and still working fine. So it's not so much that they're bad. It's just, yeah, they could have problems, but there, you know, there you go. It's, but yeah, upgrading your parts is good. But I, there, that's what I'm trying to say. Upgrade it, sure, why not? Big Mikey says, Phil, did I sell the RG565? I got an orange one and I was wondering what you thought of the pickups. Any recommendations? Love the show. I like the pickups in that guitar. I like that guitar. When I did that review, I remember mine only had the issue with the uh, fret sprout and I correct that. Yeah, I sold that guitar. That's that's another guitar. Exactly. I, I, I bought it. I bought it. And if you recall the whole story, I bought it. It had some fret sprout. I contacted the store. They gave me 40 bucks off. I corrected the fret sprout and then I sold it. Um... I sold it for, I want to say now 50 to maybe hundred dollars less than I paid for it. And then of course, you know, the video made some money. So I don't think I've broke even on that. There's only two, two videos this year that I lost money on. It was the Reverend video and that Ivan's video. Um, most of the videos either broke even or I made money. In other words, I bought the guitar, I made the video, I sold the guitar and then I got either the most of the money back or all the money back on the guitar that I sold. And then you know, because if, if you buy the guitar right, you know, you can buy the guitar right. And when you sell it off, you know, if you sell it even for a little bit more than what you paid for it to cover fees and stuff, then the video makes money and that's how it works. Um, the issue with that, so, you know, and uh, this isn't a woe is me because I'm going to give you the other piece that's a part of the equation. So, you know, I'm afforded to do that because of patron. My patrons support the channel so that I can do that. That's why, like, the Epiphone Muse I just reviewed, I haven't sold that guitar yet because I had to fix the fret sprouts. If you guys saw in the video, the frets were jacked up. I have to fix that. I can't sell that guitar off until it's fixed. So I'm fixing the guitar <laughs> so I can sell it. I'll sell that guitar off. I'm pretty sure based on what that video made, once I sell the guitar, I'll probably be plus $20, $30. I know it's not very exciting. Like, I'm saying, like, I made $20, $30. But really, I didn't because, remember... I have patrons. The patrons support the channel. I take the funds from the patrons. One of the things I do with it besides I get to buy uh, you know, SD cards and cameras and other things and mixers and 
pens. <laughs> I don't know. Other things they help subsidize the channel with. Um, they also help allow me to do video content that I normally couldn't do, like buy a guitar like that RG565. Unfortunately, um, the way I personally do it, I run the uh, that account like a kitty, uh, if you guys are familiar with that term, where I take money from it and I buy guitars and then I review them or amps and I review them and then... Uh, and then I sell them off and put the money back in the kitty. And sometimes I win, sometimes I lose, but either way it goes back in the kitty. And then I can keep moving this channel forward on that idea. And so when you see me very rarely, and it is very rare where I buy a guitar like that and it says fan funded, if you'll say, you'll see it, I'll say fan funded. I have icons on my videos to tell you guys exactly what I'm up to. Uh, fan funded means the money came from Patreon. That's where I bought it from. And so what would happen to me for my personal ethics, for me to keep that guitar, I would have to then take my personal money, which I know Patreon is my personal money because it's money I make on this channel, but you understand what I'm saying. I, I wouldn't want to take from that kitty because the whole point is to keep that kitty going for years. You know what I mean? So that's how I, I'm able to do stuff like that. So yeah, and so, so you know, I didn't want to get rid of that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the few. It was a, it was a, uh, it was a little, it was a little tough on that one, but it was such a good, such a good car. And you know what? The person I went to was a great person and it worked out great. I know they're going to, they love it and they're going to be happy with it. So, so there you go. There you go. Uh, and then major upgrade. I think he's talking about that guitar. He says, I still wouldn't pay $700 for one. Yeah. Um, well, think of this. I don't even think you can pay $1,000 now. I think they're going for like $1,050. So I understand. There's all kinds of stuff I wouldn't pay for, but it doesn't mean it doesn't go for that. I just, I agree with you. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I'm not paying that. I'm not a buyer at that price, but I get somebody else's. Okay. The last super chat is S. Hodges. Let me double check that. Why? I just want to double check that. It's Kevin Lee. The last super chat is Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee. So if you're, please don't put a super chat because I won't get to it. I won't be able to. Uh, so let me get, let me get to Litvay. Litvay says, what gauge and brand flatwound strings should I put on a 30 inch Squire Bronco bass to make it super comfortable to play, but not be loose, hoping my daughter will take it. Uh, awesome shell pink. Uh, I, I really like the tape wound strings uh, for that bass on a short scale bass. Um, you can use flat wound strings. The problem with flat rounds is they're really nice on the fingers for the for for not having the ribs, you know, right? The ribbing, I guess, is what I would call the round wound strings having ribbing. However, flat wound strings have another deficiency. Um, they are great because you can, you know, like I said, they're smooth on your fingers, but they you can't bend them and not that bending is a big part of bass, but it is a little bit of bass, a little bit of bass is sustain. You, you know, part of the finesse of a bass is holding notes a long time. Um, I really like tape wound strings and whether you go with the cheaper fender style ones that have the gunky kind of plastic over the tape wound, or if you go with the ones I love, which are Daddario, uh, tape wound strings, um, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, Litvay, I have a set of short-scale tape-wound Daddario strings in, in packaging that Daddario gave me. Uh, had nothing to do with YouTube. They just gave me some uh, strings because I knew Jim. I went to a, an event and Jim, John, Daddario were there. Um, I know you're in a different country. If you send me an email, I'm not going to promise, okay? I can't promise. I'm going to give you my, my best try, okay? If you send me an email to the P. McKnight 7, uh, Litvay, um, with an address... 
uh, to where to send those strings, I will ask my wife, because sometimes my wife internationally can put something in like a, I don't know, she puts it in a, I remember, I don't do the shipping, okay? She puts it in a thing, an envelope, a bag thing, and I guess it's like it's flat rate and she can get stuff. Because I've seen I've seen her ship T-shirts and stuff anywhere in the world for like 7 bucks. If she can put it in a bag and ship it to you for, let's say, 15, 20 bucks max my cost, I will give them to you. If she can't, I will email you back and tell you it's ridiculous and what they want, okay? But those strings, so you know, are probably 50, 60 bucks for the set. <laughs> and I'll get, they're brand new. I'll send them to you. They're for that scale uh, base. They're for short scale base. They're well, and give them a try. Why not? Why not? Why have them sit in my drawer? You can have them for sure. So like I said, P. McKnight 7, send them to me and I'll forward this problem off. Not that you're a problem, but you know what I mean? This shipping issue, just call it a shipping issue, not a problem. To my wife, she's pretty amazing at getting this stuff done. And then I'll let you know when she ships it because I'm pretty sure she'll get it done. She's pretty savvy. Okay, Tony says, Tony G says, I'm having issues with grounding a Japanese 70s, uh, I, I think it's style. It says Lyle 335. Style 335 trapeze tailpiece. Oh, okay. Ground wire is through the bottom strap button where the trapeze connects. Is it possible a non-conducting plating in the tailpiece? Um no, that's probably not it. A couple things when you have issues like that. First, you could be using coded strings. Coded strings cause that. You didn't say, and it's not likely because you're using coded strings, but coded strings will cause grounding issues. That is something that you kind of come across when you repair guitars all the time. One day, you know, one day something happens like that and you learn that you kind of kind of score them a little bit and touch the metal because the coating stops the strings. Because remember, you're you're completing it when you're touching the strings and you're kind of finishing out the ground, so to speak. Layman's price. Um, so sometimes that, that could be a problem. And of course, the you have to follow it through and make sure it's connected to whatever it is it's grounded out to. But no, I, it's not likely that, you're, you know, you're touching some of the plating, the, the, the chrome plating or something like that, and it's not getting connected. It doesn't, it, it's a little tough, um, you know what I mean, to guess. You know, your Super Chat's pretty huge, man, 20 bucks, and I, I really appreciate that. Why don't you send me a picture of it to my, uh, to my P. McKnight 7. I'm slow to get it back to you, but I'll get you a response by the end of the weekend. If you send me a picture, I can at least send me some pictures and I'll tell you what I, I can, you know, what I can see. I'll tell you what I think. It's, it's, it's the future. We're in the future now where you can take a picture of your phone and send it to me. So send it to me a picture. I'll take my best whack at it. Uh, Michael says, any experience with a VHT amp? I've tried like the little, what's the little one watt or four watt heads? That's pretty much the end, end of what I've tried. And they were fun. Like, I remember they sounded good and fun. He says, making a Dumble clone now called a D50. Oh, cool. Uh, for a great price, but there's not much info out there about them. Yeah, I, I'm literally echoing what you just already said. Not much info. I don't know much about them. Uh, I don't even know. I know there's like, a, there's a story about VHT. It was owned by somebody else. And now it's something else. And something else. it's one of those things. That stuff sometimes is interesting to me. And I've done videos about <laughs> companies doing that stuff. And then sometimes those stories get a little exhausting. And I've kind of... Uh, I don't pay attention. Uh, and that's kind of in that, in this case, that's what happened. I just kind of lost attention on that. But I'm always curious. Anytime you hear Dumble clone, <laughs> what a, like I said, the best amp in the world to covet, and, or not covet, the best amp in the world to copy is the Dumble. Why? Because none of us have heard one. So when they go, we got it, you're like, you did, as far as we know. And there's not, like, what's the story that not only have none of us really heard one, most of us, I don't know, not me. Uh, well, I've heard one, <laughs> I should say that, but that's what I'm going to tell you. I played one, I didn't love it, but then I was told when I said I didn't love it by the person who owned it uh, in Nashville, they said, 
Uh, well, they're all different. <laughs> like, great. So not only, not only, uh, you get the idea. Um, okay, let's get back. Uh, Mark, Mark says, hey, Phil, I need a new voicemail. Okay, can you say? Oh, okay, let's see what he wants me to say. Uh, he says, uh, hey, I'm watching Know Your Gear. I'll call you back. Thanks from Australia. Okay, I will do that. Hey, I'm watching Know Your Gear. I'll call you right back. Thanks from Australia. <laughs> You'll have to edit that last part out or keep it. It's up to you, but that's the way I'm reading it because I liked it that way. Um, that's funny. What do they call that, a bumper or something like that when people do that? Uh, I, I know people always ask me, like, why don't you have people that you meet do, like, new, and know your gear? I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's already, I feel nerdy enough when I say it. I don't want to make anybody say it. <laughs> All right. Dr. Torino says, hey, Phil, I put triple shots, triple shots in my Les Paul with hot rotted humbucker set, and it sounds great. Ever try that? I did. I did the triple shot video with the, I mean, it wasn't the hot, hot rotted humbucker set, but I've done that uh, as well. But I did the, uh, the, uh, uh, triple shots with the, uh, what did I do with the P rails from Samir Duncan in a video? And it was really good. I've done it for a couple for customers. Triple shots are really cool. I like triple shots. Anyway, so you guys know, I, I, I know a lot of you own golden A6s. I'll tell you my favorite thing to do with the golden A6 is put a triple shot on that guitar. And if you're lucky that pickup, the humbucker has four conductors. If not, you got to put a four conductor pickup in it. But if you put a triple shot and a four conductor pickup humbucker and a, a golden A6, uh, you can switch it to coil split with that, and it sounds so great with coil, uh, uh, single coil and the acoustic on there. So it's kind of cool. Uh, Gregory says, hey, Phil, wondering about your thoughts on GNL Z-coil pickups, especially the GNL Comanche guitar. Have you ever played one, considering uh, demoing one? Um, yeah, I, I've played them. I played them at their factory. I, I like all GNLs. Like I said, I like them all. My my GNL, uh, that this line, Margarita, uh, Margarita Lime, it's a fantastic guitar. Um, I mean, absolutely fantastic. Somebody asked me again in the video when I did the, because in case they're watching this, somebody asked me what happened to the Metal Flake GNL I had, I had a blue one. I sold it. I actually sold it to Brian at Paint Huffer. Why? Because Paint Huffer made me this beautiful Flake Charvel. And so I was like, well, I don't want two blue Flake guitars, especially since, you know, the Charvel one's personal to me because. Brian at Paint Huffer did it. And he was talking one day and he's like, I really love your GNL. So I got a smoking deal on that GNL. I mean, it was stupid smoking deal on that guitar. So I, I sold it to him for exactly what I paid, which was a smoking deal to him. <laughs> and uh, and he so he got it. And that's where that went. But back to GNL. I, I love GNL. Uh, am I considering demoing one? I'm done. I'm done demoing GNL. I I bought a GNL uh, when I talk about the last twelve guitars I reviewed. I bought them. I bought a GNL ASAT that was cool. That was butterscotch. I reviewed that one. It did well. It's like, like 80,000 views. I reached out to GNL again. They're not interested in sending any product to the channel. That's not necessary for me. By the way, I've said this before. You know, if companies don't want to work with the channel, we'll just buy it. Then you know what I mean. We'll get it on the channel. But again, uh, you know, it's a little tough to keep pushing a brand that has no interest of working back with the channel. But, uh, I don't know. I say no. And I, I kind of feel bad already saying, it. see, I feel horrible just saying I won't do it. I'll do it. I just don't have it in my plans. That's better the way to say it. I don't, I don't have any plans to demo that one. 
we'll see what the future uh, holds. Maybe I'll come across one. If I can come across one, like I said, I, I, I try to look at guitars and if I can find guitars, I try to buy new ones when I demo guitars on the channel. I don't like to review the used ones because it's really tough to review used guitar for you guys. It really doesn't tell you a whole lot. I review one and you know it's used and I want to review something that you can actually replicate if you want to go get one. Uh, and usually if I review a new one, you can find a used one and you know how to discount that and figure out where you'll land. But if I use, if I do a used one, it's hard if you buy a new one. You see what I'm saying? I guess that's my logic on that. Gary, big G what's up. He says, Hey Phil, a friend of mine has a USA precision bass, and he's under the impression that it, if he changes the tone pots, it will give bass more trouble. I think he's nuts. What say you? Yeah, no. Uh, look, all, all potentiometers, all that stuff is resistance, right? So think about it this way, right? Everything in the way I like to look at like wire, when it comes to like your guitar cable, just keeping things easy, right? Guitar cable, potentiometers, capacitors, uh, the wire inside the guitar, all that is, uh, is, uh, is, um, <laughs> subtractive. In other words, it doesn't really add tone. It's not going to add highs or add lows. It usually takes them away. It does It takes away things. So technically you got a USA one. That's a good potentiometer in there. I mean, if you were to upgrade it to like, I don't know, a, a little better one, would that change anything? No, not that I think, I mean, maybe your dog would hear it <laughs> if your dog's got an ear for tone, <laughs> but I don't think, no, I don't think he would hear it. Um, and, uh, uh, I will tell you this, if he wants more trouble on a P-Bass, uh, the first place I would start is making sure the pickups are set. They, they do this thing with P-Basses, man. They make your P-Bass pickups like this, which works really for most, most players. I mean, let's be clear, right? Most players, that is the set. The, the two pickups, like I said, they're, you guys all seen a P-Bass look like this, but they actually tilt them like this so that the so that the center is a little higher right and uh and that works in his case i would take the treble sided one and tilt it you know tilt it a little bit towards that high high g and you know right and get that high g and d up there uh and get a little bit more of that g and d you know get more of those high you know that might help what he's doing a little bit um and if that doesn't work change out the pickup that would all do way more than changing up the pot. Even removing that potentiometer isn't going to have enough of an effect for him to notice the highs. It's just not, in my opinion. Don says, gets grease out of hands. No, Don, sorry, Don, I didn't mean to make fun of your name. Don says, hey, Phil, what is your opinion on the Friedman BE Mini Amp? I have not tried one. I have a bunch of friends who bought one, and they all say they're really good, but they're really, really fizzy and distorted right? Like it's a lot of gain. It's fizzy. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it's not like they're saying that's bad. Like, Oh, I hate it. It was fizzy. They're just letting me know, like to be prepared for it if I try one. So I have not tried one. I thought about getting one. You know what I mean? I have, uh, I have, uh, some funds in the kitty and, and, but I reached out to you guys on the survey thing on YouTube and asked you guys what you thought. Literally you guys went 50, 50 on me. I think it was like 51% of you said, don't do it. 49% said do it. And then I was like, I don't know. Does anyone really <laughs> see that video then of me uh, doing that uh, amp? But so that's my answer on that. The So not a lot of insight for you. What's my opinion on it? I like the idea of it, obviously. It's it's a cool idea. Um, there are a cool piece of information. Look, I probably, I, I try to make sure that, you know, I don't, I don't share 
personal information with any of the people I talked to at Freeman and stuff. But there is something they told me that I think they won't have a problem with sharing that was really cool. Um, you know, that that amp, they were telling me, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a cool story. They're, the amp, they were telling me the box, the wood box that that amp comes in with the vinyl and stuff. That's like a huge part of the expense of that amp to make that look, you know, really cool like that. I, I don't mean it's like the most of the expense, but you understand it's like a huge expense. Um, and it would make sense because so many amp companies that make little amps like that don't put them in wood boxes. They put them in, you know, like just the metal cages and stuff. So uh, I thought that was really cool. And then... You know that they cared enough to they wanted it to look right, so that they went with the extra expense on that. Um, and just in all fairness, they told me just so you know, they told me that they had to eat that. In other words, they could have had more profit, but they decided to eat some of the profit, lose profit to make it look the right way. Um, and uh, when they told me that story, it was like kind of like a, just giving me FYI. We're just talking, and I think that's cool to share kind of stuff like that, even if I didn't really clear it with them because. It's important. I think that's cool to know, right? That amp, the you know, it's cool and it looks cool, and that's kind of why I want one. <laughs> All right, Eric says, "Thank you for the many awesome years of rekindling my love for guitar. I got a Les Paul with an asymmetrical neck. Love it. Fits like a glove. Curious your thoughts on why we don't hear about them much. Um, the asymmetrical necks, which I think are a very cool idea, uh, are not very." popular uh on a lot of guitars and i think it's because it's an education thing i was watching a youtube video a couple days ago on a guitar and the channel which i thought was a very good channel who's very smart and knows their stuff didn't know that the guitar they were demoing was an asymmetrical neck and they probably didn't know because it wasn't on the specifications of the guitar I happen to know it's an asymmetrical neck because as you guys know in my videos, I have all these neck, neck jigs. And so when I put a neck jig on it, it I can see the carve and I can see where the, where the shape changed. So I find that the asymmetrical neck option, which if you guys don't know what that means, it just means the neck's carved uh, more like your hand shape, right? That's the best way to put it, right? It's not like a C, it's not like a U, it's got kind of like this, you know, it's a little thicker on one side and thinner on another. And I've talked about that. If you want to see my Sterling uh, video, I kind of go over the asymmetrical with diagrams and stuff. But my point to that is it's hard to educate consumers uh, and the consumers being guitar players about that neck. And that's why I think a lot of them basically don't, don't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because uh, it's tough, right? You want to sell guitars. And this business of selling guitars... There's things that sell guitars, and let me tell you, what sells a guitar is not an asymmetrical neck. It's a rock star holding it. That's generally true. Not, not entirely true, but generally true. So if you're a company, do you want to spend time trying to teach a customer about or why an asymmetrical neck's cool, or do you want to just say, hey, slash plays it? That would be my thought process on that. Probably not entirely correct, but it's a, it's a good instinct <laughs> to... Dean says, Phil, I just got a Les Paul 5.50s STD standard. Okay, standard. Also just bought a Vox 4C1 stack. Very low headroom. Any way to improve that maybe the tubes, caps, help please? So I, I guess what you're saying is that the, the, the guitar is pushing the amp over. Yeah, yeah, before I would change tubes or capacitors and go any of that stuff, what I would do is one of two things. One, you can always take your volume knob back. That's that's pretty easy. Or the other thing I would do is get like an EQ pedal or some other... It's got to be a, a, a 
a boost pedal that can take you the other direction as well. So some some boost pedals only go, you know, add, add signal up. You want some that will go to uni, unity gain and then take away, right? So let me give you an example. I have a pedal they don't make it anymore, but it's called the Detox EQ. It's uh, Paul Gilbert's pedal, and it was made by Homebrew. But there's tons of pedals like this, and I use that pedal for that exact situation. Let's say I have an amp uh, that's notoriously known like a Vox to like to break up a little bit once you push it a little hard, and I want to plug in, let's say, a guitar that has a hotter pickup. I'll use the Detox EQ or something like that to back off. So I can let the guitar sing the way it wants, sing the volumes all the way up, but I'll use a pedal like that to dim it down and uh, cut the signal before it goes in, pad it down a little bit. That's what I do. You can even probably use the black box by JHS. That's just a volume knob. You could probably do that as well. I don't know if that reduces. I don't know if it just goes, sometimes they just go to off and then they just only push forward. So you'd have to, or push up. So you'd have to find out what's out there. But the pedal that I use forever and I, I still would use, but I have the detox now is the Boss GE7. That's a great pedal. It'll solve, that pedal is a, I'll solve your problem pedal. The, the Boss GE7 pedal is the Vanilla Ice of pedals. He's got a pro. You got a problem, and they will solve it. That's my lame Vanilla Ice joke. Uh, Jeff says, hey, hey, hey again, Phil, you just raised the question in my mind. Okay, is it weird that I totally enjoy building and working on guitars but can't play guitar? No. No, no. See, this is the wacky part of this. Uh, this weird agenda that the internet creates that's so weird it's so weird i get it we all have voices some of us have a voice of a channel some of us has a voice of a comment on a channel everyone has a voice out there saying something and it's a lot of noise and some of it's good and some of it's bad but here's the kick um no in fact think about this i, I i've seen comments where people are like you know somebody has three guitars and they don't know how to play and they're like why would they they don't need they don't need guitars they need to practice why I don't even know. There's people around the world. I understand all countries are different. But in where I live, it's a free country, which most countries are free countries. But this is a free country, which means I can just buy a guitar and stick it on my wall and stare at it. And if I want to talk about it, and then if a bunch of thousand other people want to talk about it every week about how we like to stare at guitars at the wall and not play them, good for us. <laughs> like I said, if you're not hurting anyone, committing a crime, or doing anything illegal, you should do whatever the hell you want. So, no. Uh, do I think you should put down, you know, not buy another guitar and practice more? I think playing music will, is like I said, is a spiritual thing and it's amazing. And I think you're denying yourself something if you don't play or don't try to play music. I and never get it in your head that playing good is, is the value. That is such bullshit that only people on the internet will talk about. Playing the guitar well has nothing to do with enjoyment. <laughs> you can play guitar badly and have a ball. Think about this. I have friends that are horrible at golf and they love it. I, 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 who cares, right? You can do something bad and still enjoy it. You, 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 you. Uh, so basically what I'm trying to say, but what's funny is basically what I'm trying to say is sometimes there's this like weird tonality to if you don't play great, you don't deserve. And that's not how life works. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, if you work and you make money and you want to buy, spend it on something that's that helps your life in a positive way, you should do that. <laughs> why, why not? So back to your thing. Is it uh, weird that you want to buy guitars and work on them and you don't play them? Um, like I said, my only advice was, man, please try to play some music because I think you're going to enjoy it, even if you do it badly. Don't be selfless conscious of that. No, no one should care how well you play. 
Okay, at the very at the very most, if you don't play well, probably no one will buy your album when it comes out. Other than that, who gives a crap? Um, but ultimately, if you never play guitar and you just work on them, enjoy that working on guitars. Well, then enjoy that. Enjoy that. Um, you know, there's like I said, it's hard. It's hard for me to pass judgment on people for the things that they do for enjoyment. Like I said, if they're not hurting themselves or someone else, I don't. I don't pass that judgment. I love playing guitar. I love playing guitar so much that I've tried to make it every part of my life. Every day is guitar. I literally don't talk about anything else. This is, I, I have no other thing to do. My entire living is built around guitars all day. And when I'm not doing that, when I'm not working, I'm talking to my friends about guitars. This is what I like. Good for me. <laughs> right? It, it, and um, so there you go. The, back to my point is, no, don't let I, I always get a little testy if you can tell my tone about that is because this is one of those industries. Some industries, industries do this too, but this is one of those industry, industries that somehow likes to pass judgment on how people do what they do with the music or the instruments or the things, which makes no sense uh, to me, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it's not about judgment. It should never be about that. It should be about enjoyment and, and joy and coming together for the joy of it. Uh, you know, it's it's been an excruciating year uh, this last year, and uh, we're all should be lucky as hell that we've made it through to some degree. And some of us, I hate to say it, there's almost a thousand people, 900 people hanging out here. Some of you probably didn't make it through that well. It's just the reality of it. And I'm, I'm sorry for that. And, but the reality is the ones that did, it, we should, you know, I hope you find joy in that because it was a tough year. And if, if you got through it because we talked about guitars or if you got through it because you play guitar, good for you. <laughs> Landon, always going for the joke, Landon, but I appreciate it. He says, what if your guitar playing is so bad that it hurts people's ear? Well, turn the fuck down. <laughs> curse words. I always put curse words where they're needed. That was one was needed. Just turn down. <laughs> no one should complain if they can't hear it. Just turn down. That's why That's why your amp has a volume knob. <laughs> and, and sometimes a headphone jack. Headphone jacks are great, too. All um, all right, we got to get through these last ones, otherwise this is going to last forever. Uh, we uh, we have I don't know how to say it, Mister, Mister, like Mister. I think it's like Mister, but it's Mister, Mister. I I hope I'm not making fun of that name, but it kind of like sounds like that. Mister says, "Would you have your wife come on sometime?" Uh, okay, we'll get to that. Maybe tell her the, her perspective of being married and to, and to and to be in business with Guitar Maven. Okay. Here's the deal with my wife and the guitar channel. I will explain this uh, very clearly and it will unfortunately be the way. Some of the patrons interact with my wife. Some of you have interact with her in a, in a, uh, in a what do you call it, in a virtual way through the internet. Like she handles things day to day, so you'll get emails from her. Sometimes she's making custom shirts for some, like I said, the patrons have, I know I'm talking about patrons, I don't want to be like that, but that's, you know, I, I offer services to the patrons and she handles that stuff. Um, and so you just through giveaways and stuff have interact with her. She is very supportive of this. However, uh, I, I, uh, I have one, she had one rule and I, again, I'm, I've stick to it to day one. There is one rule that she gave me when you, I started on YouTube and it was she, the kids and the dogs won't be in the videos. Now the dogs have found their ways. In fact, a couple of uh, videos ago, podcast, I don't know if you know my, I didn't even see it. My dog was walking around behind me and looking at the guitars. 
I should take a picture of that. I should screenshot that and put it on Instagram. I'll try to do that if I can. That'll be something I can put on Instagram. I never know what to put on there. So, um, uh, so my point is that was an agreement. First of all, why? Because, because here's why. Um, some of you have met her because you stopped me. Like I've been stopped by you guys. Like I'll be in a Home Depot when you come up, and uh, you know, right? Or I've been at a Five Guys burger place or i've been just places i mean right she doesn't go where there's guitars so you'll never see her at a guitar center you never see her name she doesn't go anywhere where there's guitar stuff but sometimes i've bumped into viewers and friends of the channel in public um at places that are just you know like at a, uh you know at a restaurant and all kinds of things and you come up and you guys are always super polite super nice super kind you know it's always you know very very ego stroking uh you know like hey phil i like your channel like what you do it's it's, and sometimes I seem awkward. It's not because you're coming up to me in public. It's because I don't, I don't know how to handle some of that statement stuff, you know, and it's like, you know, the compliment stuff. I'm, I'm learning to take compliments better, but at first it was really weird for me. Um, but my point is, uh, yeah, she doesn't want that. That's not her, that's not her personality. <laughs> uh, so, so that's, that's the deal. I've talked to her about being on the channel. If you guys, uh, so it might happen one day. I've talked to her about being on the channel, not on the channel. <laughs> you know, because they're smart. They're smart. They're smart channels. No, there are channels out there, you know, that they're never, you never see their faces and who they are, so you can't recognize them. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Brian's giving up the, 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 the info. Yeah, she, she like I said, th that was a private thing. But, uh, but back to this, I thought about having her off camera, you know, and having like a mic and talking. She said once passively she might do that. <laughs> so there you go. So, uh, so there you go. Um, yeah, Amanda says not, she's not, it's not a camera she's, she doesn't like. Look, uh, very clearly. So you guys, a lot of you watching this have seen my wife because remember she ran the Lesson Academy at the store for 13 years. I mean, my, my base of viewership on my channel, a lot of it is my customers in my store. I met so many guitar players at my store over the years. So they all know my wife personally and they know what she looks like. She's not worried about that. She's just not interested in guitar stuff. This isn't, that's not her thing. That's what I'm trying to get to. She's, this isn't her thing. She doesn't want to be part of it that way. She wants to support it and not be part of it. <laughs> okay. Um, Let's, uh, let's get to the last ones. We have the last ones. We have a shinery kid says, just bought a used Godin Richmond Empire with P90s. Godin Richmond Empire with P90s. You are totally right. Godins are awesome. Give my Gibsons and PRS run for money. Yes. You know, if there was, somebody asked me why, when I did my collection video, I know I'm saying that a lot this week. Uh, you know, hey, you don't have any Jacksons? I don't. I don't have any Jacksons. Um, how, however, if there's only one guitar that I regret not having, it's a Godin. A Godin. I want one. I, I had one. I got rid of it. I loved it. They're amazing for the money. And they're just amazing guitars. I don't know why I don't have one. So that one, so it was next to guitar. But like, so you know, I have, where my guitar collection is now, it's oh, bigger than I want it to be. It's, uh, it's, um, I love it when people are like, you have too many guitars. Somebody's like, I have more guitars than you. Whatever you guys have to say. Look, I don't have control sometimes of this collection right now. YouTube doesn't allow that. Um, 
you know, obviously I like having the guitar I bought that I've been playing for the last 10 years. And then also Nathan gave me a guitar. So now I have two guitars and I'm very blessed to have those two guitars, but that's why I have those two. It's not like I said, I didn't set out that. Um, so my point is to get a guitar, a guitar has got to go. <laughs> so, and that's been the way for, cause I'm over, I, I probably got to shed down 10 guitars right now. Anyways, I, I, I have way too many guitars and, and that's why I have some duplicate guitars now. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I'm on that tag. Uh, let's get let's get the next question. Stop talking about that. But, but, but to the point of your Godin, yes, Godin's are great. Uh, just an old guy. Are you really? <laughs> I always see signs signs like that. I'm like, is it a guy? It's an old guy, or is it like a 19 year old kid? And he's just like, that's smart. He's like, I'm gonna get sneak in with the older dudes, and they won't even know because the internet. I'm just kidding. He says, Hey, uh, Phil, I bought a guitar in the early 70s. Okay, you're an old guy. <laughs> Just kidding. When, then went corporate, okay? Now retired. I broke out the 63 Les Paul Jr., which was under my bed for 45 years, now relearning. Nice, nice. See? Isn't that funny? Like it's, it, you know, you know. Um, there's one statistic that I, I, I learned, you know, having the Lesson Academy for all those years. Like I said, it was quite a long, long time. We, we learn this because, you, you know, you, you talk to other people who t do lessons and, of course, you talk to the industry and stuff. There's one statistic that's really interesting. The younger you play an instrument, the more likely you are to return to it. Um, so I always told, used to tell parents, like parents, like, I don't know, they say they were into this, now they're into this. And I used to say, you know, even if they take up guitar or piano or trumpet or whatever and they fail at it, fail is a bad word. I shouldn't say that. I should say stop, right? Because everybody's, you know, like I said, you never, you never, stop's even a bad word. Take a break. You're taking a break because, like I said, it's a lifelong journey. Um, if they do that and they take a break, they're more likely to try it in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s than if they were never to have started it in the first place. Not saying that you wouldn't start if you didn't, but you're saying nice thing. So when you said that you went back to it, that's really cool. Uh, and like I said, I'm glad. I, I love hearing that because, uh, again, you know what I mean? It's a, it enriches your life. It's a, it's great. We should all like look. If I'm an addict of anything, I'm an addict of TV. That's the thing that I hate that I like. That's my guilty pleasure, watching crap on TV. Because I know every time I watch TV, all I'm doing is getting fatter and dumber. And so I try physically to try to stay away from it as much as I can. But TV to me feels like a drug. Like I'm just addicted to watching like Netflix and crap and I watch stuff. And I know you could say YouTube's the same way, but I feel like when I'm on YouTube, it's more like watching documentaries like this. We're learning and we're engaging. Maybe if it's about a dumb, dumb thing, it's still interesting. But, um, but yeah, if I try to do anything that enriches my life is most. So there you go. Ah, somebody said lose interest. Ah, I like that word too. Thank you. Those words. Okay. Norman says, hey, Phil, thanks for the advice. Just nabbed a PRS 2408 Arize Verde and use your advice to get an amazing deal. Thanks, uh, homie. Rock on. Uh, again, awesome. Yeah, save that money. Well, I mean, you just gave it to me, but hopefully you saved a lot more than $10 and, and thank you for uh, giving the money. And you know what it is? Not only for giving me money to support my channel, which is really great, but when you say that, Sure. Is that, a, is that a stroke to my ego for giving you a piece of advice that worked out for you? Sure. Do I feel good? Do I get to walk into the weekend feeling a little better? Thank you for that. Yes, I do. But more importantly, it reaffirms to everybody, hey, man, keep your money. It's your money. You work for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, saving money is making money, like I always said. 
And 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 I was and I've I've heard both sides of the arguments, but I feel like I'm somewhat somewhat able to say this. I've been on both sides of the counter. Like I've owned a business. I didn't just work there. I owned it. You know what I mean? I had to pay the bills with it. And I've been the consumer. And let me tell you, not everybody who owns a business is going to say this. It's just true. But I will tell you this. I am thankful to this day for every customer that worked me for a deal. Because that means I got their money. My kids had braces. They have cars. We have a home. I have nice guitars. That's from people not working me down for a low price. Wait, that is from that. (laughs) That's from people working me down for a low price. It's not from the people that didn't and didn't buy from me at all. I'm not saying I wanted everybody to give, I wanted to give a deal to everybody. I wanted to make as much money as possible. Just like I want you to save your money. I wanted to make as much money as possible, but also I wanted to make money because making money pays the bills. So again, to me, if you do it with respect and you're giving companies patronage, patronage and you're, you're buying stuff, do it. I don't think there should be anything negative or offensive in that. Companies are, people are, you know, adults. A company can decide if they want to sell it to you for that price or not. I did. I can tell you right now, if you can't, I said this a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand times more. We'll keep saying this until podcast 610. I never gave anybody a deal. I didn't have to. Absolutely true. You, you know, like I said, a lot of you are my customers. You know, you got smoking deals all the time, but every once in a while, nope, it was walking papers only. Hey, Phil, we take... 1100 for that? Nope. Why? Because I knew it wasn't going to, I knew it was going to sell. I didn't need to give you a deal. If I gave you a deal, it's because I knew, it's because I had to. Because I knew it would sell if I gave the deal. I, I, you get the point. Um, what do we have? We have, we have three more left. No, we don't. We have a couple more. Let's do this. We have S. Hodges says, does Gibson Les Paul Standard 50s have the same neck profile as R9? Or is it more chunky like a 57? Okay, the standard 50s, and, and again, you you have to go, I would go and look at like, like how I like Sweetwater Ways all the guitars. Also, I like Wildwood, how they actually take the neck shape, the, the dimensions they'll do of their of their guitars. Um, the, the 50s necks, in my opinion, are not as thick as the R9. And the R9 is not as thick as the 57. So, so that's my experiences, but the R9s can be different thicknesses. There's a real, look, Gibson, you know, people complain about their quality. My only real complaint with Gibson forever for me personally has been their necks are as inconsistent as hell when it comes to thicknesses. It's very hard. My R9 sounded amazing, looked amazing, played amazing. And the neck is the, one of the chunkier R9 necks I've come across. And I didn't want it that chunky, but again, I had to, when I was ABing them, I was like, ah, the thinner necks nice, but you know what I mean? This one sounds and looks the way I want. And ultimately I was like, okay, it's the right weight. It was, it ticked enough of the boxes to make it make sense. So to your point, uh, or to your question, uh, I think the standard 50s neck is smaller than the R9. I think it, it, you know, that's, that's why I would go for that. And, but like I said, all the standard, but the standard 50s, is all different thicknesses as well. So like me personally, I, for some reason, I, I don't know why I say this. I just do 2005 and 2008 era Gibson Les Paul 50 style necks always have a thinner neck and more C shaped than some of the other eras. Like there's certain eras of Les Pauls where the necks were thinner and different shaped. Um, so you gotta kind of, gotta get out there and kind of feel them. That's why I think a Gibson Les Paul is one of the hardest guitars to buy online because of the neck feel issue. That's, that's one of those guitars. That's one of the things I think that made, you know, on a side note, this is one of the things I think, I 
that made PRS very successful was the internet. There are certain companies I think thrive in the internet, and here's why. They're consistent as hell. Like PRS guitars, if you hate them, great. If you like them, great. They're consistent. Like whatever it is you like or dislike about them, you'll probably see that very consistently through the guitars. The neck shapes are very consistent. The weights are pretty consistent. Everything's pretty consistent. And in an internet world, that's a dream come true because you can click a button and know what you're going to get. I, I very rarely have bought a PRS or any kind of PRS style guitar or even Fenders for that what matter. Uh, and Ivan is too, for like higher end ones, where I buy them and they're not exactly what I anticipated. But Gibsons are one of the ones where I, man, every time I, <laughs> I'm afraid to buy Gibsons online because I never get the, the neck feel. You know, it's never what I think it's going to feel like compared to my other ones. So there you go. Okay. We have uh, John, uh, John just wanted to do the tip jar. Thank you. And he said, have a great, week great weekend. Thank you, man. Especially for this super, super chat. Thank you. Uh, Meester said, uh, Eastman's are nice. Want to try one and maybe buy, uh, a Romeo LA. I, I, uh, I played an Eastman. I think I said this in the, I saying this all night, all day. I, in my collection video, I mentioned that the, um, Eastman's, I thought their Les Paul style guitars were really nice. Like the R9s. Um, and I've said this before, like with my ES-335. I bought my ES-335 because I wanted one, but like I said, I like the Epiphone one. I like it enough that, I would have been happy with it if it was all I was after was just having a, a 335 style guitar and playing it. When I bought the 335 Gibson, it was partially because I wanted a 335 and I wanted to play it, but also I wanted to be able to, if I didn't like it in a year or two, sell it and get my money back. Um, you know, when you're trying things that are different, uh, it's nice if one of the luxuries we get is you get to buy something, try it for a while, and if you buy it right, you walk away from it with no money lost at all. And in, in the market of we buy it to try it, like I said, we used to try things and then we buy them. That's what the stores did for us. Now we're all trying things and then buying them. No, backwards. <laughs> Flip that, reverse it. No, we now buy things to try them. So in the buy things to try them, you have to be a savvier shopper than you've ever had to be before. It's very tough. And a lot of you say, like, I won't buy online. I, I don't disagree with that logic. But, you know, like in my scenario, there's... It's my, it's my only, I, in Arizona, that's where it is. Like I said, I bought a Mesa Boogie amp. There's not a single Mesa Boogie dealer in Arizona anymore. I have no choice. Um, last question of the day. If you have a super chat and it's not getting answered today, I will answer them next week. Uh, Kevin Lee says, happy Friday, Phil. Is there a piece of gear that you hated at first, but you can't live without now? Uh, hated. That's a good, strong word. Um, um, Man, those questions are always tough. Let me let me just peruse the room and look at all this stuff. Oh, hated and now I love it. Mm, I don't know. I uh, I know this sounds like it should be an easy question to answer, but it's 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 not. I I don't uh hmm. I, I can't, I can't unfortunately answer the question. I don't know if, so I, since I can answer that, I'll give you my best closest answer to a question I can't answer. Is there a piece of gear that I didn't care for that now I, I like? Yeah, my Mark V Mini is one of those, definitely when I got it, it was, it was horrible. Um, uh, when I got the Mark V Mini, I, I got it the day it came out. Now I can tell the story. We'll end the show with a story. Hey, 
I can tell the story because the dealer that sold me the Mesa Boogie isn't a Mesa Boogie dealer anymore. So here's the story of my Mesa Boogie Mark V Mini. I never told this story publicly because I didn't want to harm the dealer that sold me the amp in any way. So what happened was, obviously, I was a, I had a store, as you guys know, and I was a dealer, but not a Mesa Boogie dealer. And when the Mesa Boogie Mark V Mini came out, I wanted one. And so I knew the owner of the other store. He told me they were coming out. And the morning they came out, I went and bought it from him that day, that morning, okay? So I went to a store. So it's like basically before the store even opens, I went and bought it. Bought it from him, uh, paid him cash, right? He gave me tax out the door, which was nice. And so what I did was I went straight home and I made a video of it. I made a video of the Mesa Boogie Amp and I hated it. Now, I didn't say that in the video because it wasn't really part of the thing, right? It wasn't like, oh, I hate it. I just couldn't get it to sound right. It sounded like farts. It was weird amp. And um, so anyway, so I, I did the video and I got through it and I talk about what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it. And I, I got to go to work. So it's my store. So I go to my store. So about two or three in the afternoon, I get uh, my wife uh, is, you know, working the desk and she says, hey, Mason Boogie's on the phone for you. And I said, oh, that's weird. OK. And I answer the phone and I say, yeah, this is, you know, Phil McKnight. How can I help you? And they say, uh, yeah, you need to um, you need to take your video down. And I said, uh. I need to take my video down. And they go, yeah, you can't put any videos up. It's embargoed until like whatever, tomorrow or whatever. And I said, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I, like, I buy, bought it and I put it up. And they said, yeah, you need to take it down. And I said, yeah, I'm not a dealer for you. Like, <laughs> right? Now, keep in mind, I probably had about, I don't know, a thousand subscribers or something. I said, look, I'm not a dealer for you. And they said, uh, so they were like, and I've told you guys this before. Please understand. I'm a nice guy. Like I said, I am, I'm very pleasant. But I also don't, I don't, uh, I don't suffer foolishness very long. So when he, when the guy on Mesa Boogie was like, you need to go and take the video down. I said, this is what I said to him. I said, yeah, well, I want you to know that you're calling me at the business, at my business where I earn the money to buy that amp. You're disrupting my business that caused that that allows me to buy your amp. So I'm not taking the video down. So I got off the phone. I was so mad that they called me at my business to tell me that. I uh, I took it. I, I went. I left. I left the store. I went home and I took pictures of the amp and I put it on eBay because I was that mad. I was like, ah, you know, it doesn't sound good. Screw these guys for calling me at my work and telling me I got to take my video down. So I basically put it up for sale on eBay by the time. And then I had to go back to the store. Right. So I drove back a couple hours, about an hour or two later. When I got to the store, eBay took down my auction and gave me a copyright strike because I didn't have the rights to use the name Mesa Boogie and Mesa Boogie had copyright striked my thing and I had to take an online class with eBay on how copyright or trademark works it was a stupid test you had to take and then if you take the test you pass uh I was so pissed right so of course I couldn't sell the amp now because now it's just they took it down and I don't have privileges to sell on <laughs> on eBay um but here's why the story is good <laughs> this ends in a good way and now I'm stuck with this thing I don't even like, and I'm pissed at the company. And so I, that night or the morning, you know, give or take a day or so, I was watching YouTube and Ole England did a demo of it. And he said this weird thing. He's like, oh, the weird thing about the amp is you got to take the bass, the treble, and the mids to zero. And I was like, what? And then he played, and he's Ola, so of course it sounded awesome. And then I went in my room and I went, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then I love the amp, and I still have that amp to this day. Uh... And, um, you know, 
so, but I could never, I didn't want to tell that story because if I ever pissed, you know, now I told the story, if I ever piss off Mason, they might yell at the dealer, but he's not a dealer anymore. So they can't do anything to him. And that's why I w- didn't give them, actually, I would gave them a much harder time, but uh, I didn't want to put my, my, uh, I don't say friend because I don't, I'm not really friends with him. I was acquaintance with him. I didn't want to harm his business or him in any way, but there you go. Companies are weird, man. It's a weird, weird industry. So that's how in the days, that's my story of the amp I didn't like at first, but now I love. Um, and there you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I thank you guys for enjoying, uh, enjoying. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for joining me on the podcast. Give a like if you want, if you want to, uh, it'd be great. I, I think YouTube does something with them. They collect them and sell them to s- later. I think they collect all your thumbs up and then sell them to less fortunate channels at a markup. I'm not sure. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to let you guys go. Have a great weekend. As always, thank you so much for your time and know your gear. And if I ever can push the button right, I will do it. There you go. Goodbye.